cigars all around Cheers, y'all That was a good one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video cast known internationally as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Uh, Michael, we uh, have explained this on the show before, but you may not know that uh, we decided that the the show was world famous when I realized that my mom, who doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, and doesn't approve of those that do, actually found out about the show because I never told her. Uh, so when she found out, I thought, okay, we're world famous at this point. And so, and we've been rolling with that ever since. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are show number 207 today. Man, we're getting old. <laughs> with True Anomaly Brewing in the studio. We'll talk about that in just a moment. First of all, I have to tell you that we are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com, a great hey. place to go on the... Yes, Ian is uh, sporting a My cigarshirts.com shirt right there that's a it's a good it says shirt my cigarshirts.com it certainly does and a very familiar uh, very familiar slogan there on the t-shirt it does. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, new things available as of this week at MyCigarShirts.com. There are now Ooh, I haven't even looked. I'm going to have to check that out. There are now sweatshirts. There's the uh, very cool face mask that says, uh, as soon as I take this off, I'm having a cigar. Nice. And so there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of great stuff for cigar smokers. And I know that uh, if you are a cigar smoker, you'll find one you like. There's dozens and dozens of shirts and stuff on there now, so it's uh, so it's big fun. Check it out, MyCigarShirts.com, because cigars. Because cigars. <clears throat> um, so before we get started on anything like official on the show, uh, Ian, I have what I hope is not bad news, but I guess one of our shows on YouTube got flagged uh, for a music copyright because of the... Uh, music that we use right after the intro, which is a song by an artist named Brother Love. And my use of that song goes all the way back to my early podcasting days. I had one of the first alternative music podcasts uh-huh. that was uh, that was out there back when so there were. So is that maybe, what happened to last week's episode? I, I, I mean, no, last week's episode is a whole different thing, oh, which okay. we'll get into later. But uh, anyway, um, so I've had permission to use that song for years, but apparently YouTube flagged it. So we've sent them an explanation, and hopefully that will work. But if it doesn't, we're going to have to hunt for a new opening song again. Which That's frustrating. Yes, yes, it is. So anyway, keep your fingers crossed. So um, communicating <clears throat> with YouTube about any issue you have is well. Yeah, the the good news is it'll take them at least a month to get back to us from the reply. So at least, yeah. In the meantime, we'll just enjoy uh, continuing with the little brother love. Michael Duckworth is in the studio with us today. Michael is with True Anomaly Brewing, one of the uh, up and coming craft breweries here in the greater Houston area, which is where we do the show. In fact, you're right in the uh, sort of near downtown, east downtown area correct, of correct, Houston. Yeah. And how how long has True Anomaly been open? We've been there about a year and a half now. That's what I thought. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you how I discovered you guys, and apparently Ian discovered you before I did because you've, you've actually been to the brewery, haven't you? Yeah, we were walking, me and my wife <laughs> were walking around in that area, and this would have been about a year ago, so you guys would have been pretty new. We were walking around in that area just looking for stuff to do and uh 
and uh, we happened by a brewery and sat out on the front. You've got that little concrete area in the front. We sat out basically by the curb and uh, and had our beers and enjoyed our time. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, the yeah. patio's a little better outfitted now. So yeah, I haven't seen gonna, it in a while, so enjoy your next visit for sure. I may actually be able to see you from my balcony because I live downtown, and I can, I've got a pretty good view of that whole St. Emanuel Street area from, uh, from my floor. But um, I discovered you guys... Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, when I was, uh, you know, getting some stories ready that we were going to talk about on the show, and I came across one about how the Great American Beer Festival, the big event in uh, Colorado every year, was having to do it totally virtual this year, and so they had this virtual thing where you could uh, you could buy a pass and it was good right. at different breweries and you could try different things and participate in the whole uh, beer festival, and so I went to the site and just entered my uh, my zip code. To see who was participating in Houston, and you guys popped up because you're really close to me. So, yeah. uh, so I was like, "Oh, we got to have these guys on." So, uh, and then what was really cool is last week I was in uh, the Specs downtown and saw your beer. It was the first time I'd seen your beers in the Spec store. Maybe I was just looking for it, but they had uh, a great little display there with a, a lot of the different beers. So, uh, so we're really excited to be trying some of those. On the show today. Thank you, awesome. thank you. Yeah. Yes. We'll also be trying some tequila. Um, and this is a brand new, well, it's new to me. I, I always say brand new, and then I look and find it's been out for a long time. <laughs> I just haven't noticed it, or maybe they just started stocking it near me. But this one is new to me. It is Miko tequila. Uh, it's the, uh, or tequila Miko, I think is the way you say it. It is an Añejo. And as you can tell, Ian, it is not entirely new to me now because. Well, There's you little, uh, uh, you are gracious enough when you bring in a bottle to make sure that we don't have to go through the awkward opening it ourselves. Yeah, because sometimes that cellophane camera. stuff right, is, right. is more difficult than you might right. think. So, and uh, though I have a pocket knife, you just you don't even need. I don't even need to get it out of my pocket. Well, so. That's right. I, I do it for you. Yeah, you're, you're uh, pretty amazing. I, I, I'm, like that. I'm good like yeah. that. I really. <laughs> am. Uh, so anyway, a lot of lot of good stuff coming up on the show today. In addition, in addition to tasting uh, some true anomaly beers, uh, we will be tasting that tequila. Uh, we will have drinking news. Our headline today: drinking news. Don't let Donald drive. Mm. So we'll. I we'll have no idea. What's leave going on. that. We'll leave that. It makes for a me think while. of those. Remember those? Uh, was it Friends Fr- Progressive or Geico had the commercial? Like uh, people do weird things with cars. And there's the guy talking, and he's like, I don't think you ever listen to me anymore. Why are you driving this way? And then there's a dog driving his truck. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you this question <laughs> Was the commercial funny? Yes, it was entertaining. Then it was definitely not a progressive it was commercial. Not progressive. It was definitely oh, a good commercial. <laughs> progressive does have one funny commercial, I, I, and the rest of them, I just like. I, I almost have to leave the room. They're so bad when I, when they come on, and I can't fast forward through them. But they have the one funny one about the guy who teaches you not to be like your parents. That one's. That, I don't, that yeah, one's, remember that. Yeah, one. yeah, that, yeah, that one's pretty funny. Pretty recent. But but flow and not a all fan that of flow. Stuff, oh God. It's just awful. Oh, that's right. It must have been Geico. Yeah. Geico's, well, during the pandemic, I've noticed, because Geico runs lots of TV ads, I've noticed they've been recycling a bunch of their old ones, and it's been fun to see some of the ah. uh, some of the older ads again, because, you know, let's face it, not very many commercials are really 
that entertaining. And, Especially and, for car insurance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right, yeah. And there's a pretty good. That's they not really a very are. entertaining category. No, it really isn't. So kudos to them for really bringing yeah. it out. Yeah, car insurance and toilet Speaking paper. Speaking of car I insurance, I got yet another crack in my windshield. So I got this big crack in my you windshield. This, and you have the newest vehicle of anyone I know. <laughs> Your truck is like uh, <laughs> it's like barely even <laughs> off the lot. You got another crack in your windshield? Yeah, so after the first one, I, I was like, ah, oh, I got to pay the deductible and everything else because for whatever reason, I have an expensive windshield. And I thought, well, I'll just hang on to it for a little bit. So yeah, I got another big crack. So now I guess it's time to actually. I was going to say, aren't you glad you didn't spend it, the right? money already? Yeah. 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 Not to mention about three other good sized chips in it. Yeah. Well. So apparently I drive behind dump trucks. Apparently you do. You know, do. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> I, I have a. <laughs> it's user error at some point. It's got to be right. I have a small car which sits, um, you know, pretty low on the road. So I generally don't. I don't even like driving behind SUVs because I can't see. Right. You know, so I'm I'd stay re- as, as far away as I can from some of those uh, from some of those big trucks. So, um, other things to talk about on the show today. Uh, there is a problem threatening craft brewers. We will share that with you, and we'll uh, let Michael weigh in on it from his uh, from his company's uh, can I guess perspective. Yeah. Can I guess? Yeah. When we get there. Yeah, when we get there. Fair enough. Uh, also, there uh, is a new article out about 11 new scotch bottles to try right now. Right now. And so uh, that's our favorite uh, headline right. attention grabber. When they Things you have to do right, right now. now. Like, Yesterday. Oh, I, I can't wait to read this article and try these tomorrow. I have to try them right now. Right so, now. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to sharing that with you. Synthetic alcohol. May soon be available. That doesn't leave you with uh, a hangover. We'll uh, we'll share that with you. Yeah, I know. Uh, all uh, that just seems I, very I Star Trek to me. You know what I mean? Because they go into the bar there on the ship. Captain, and they, there's an anomaly. They get that sent the hall. So uh, we have true anomaly brewing uh, uh, with us today. So that all coming see, together. See how it all ties together, Ian. You're so good like that. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you're also a pretty good. Uh, you know, pretty good detector of what's going on in, in a cigar. And I'm wondering if you have anything to share uh, with us about something you may have smoked this week that's been interesting. Uh, I, you know what? I can do that. I smoked a Cohiba Siglo One. Oh. Oh. Cuban cigar. Color me impressed. This is a uh, 4x40 Petite Corona, so pretty small cigar, too. Yeah. Um, appearance is light brown, veiny, single band. Firm to the touch overall. It's not a, you know, it's got the classic Cohiba band. It's not like a particularly outstanding looking cigar. It just looks nice. It looks how, like a how high was your confidence that it really was a Cuban? Pretty high. Okay. Like real high, actually. Okay. And I could, I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, the, so, it can, well, here, I'll talk about a little bit about that right now. It comes in a box, first off. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little boxed one. And um, on the inside of the box, the, the whole print that the box is made out of, the inside of the box, is covered with the word Cohiba all on the inside and everything like that. And I highly doubt if someone's making... That um, they're going to go to that much trouble. Counterfeits. Yeah. That they're going to take the inside of the box and make sure it's printed and embossed the way it is. And, gotcha. And, and the, again, the box wasn't just printed. It was embossed. A lot of those... Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very tactile. It's a good way it. to tell, actually, uh, if you might be dealing with a real one versus so, a uh, So I'm I'm highly confident that this was this was the real deal. Um so uh, appearance-wise, the cigar looks like a cigar. It's a it's a nice light brown um, Connecticut style wrapper. Um, looks nice. 
single band, firm, overall to the touch. Pre-light sniff, hints of chocolate, cedar, and fermented hay. Nice. It's a real pleasant, uh, not a mm-hmm. real strong, but a real pleasant smell to it. The pre-light draw is a little tight draw, actually. Um, I used a clip on it, a little bit of a tight draw, lots of cedar, chocolate, nuttiness, hints of coffee going on when I did that. When I first lit it, a blast of earthy spices. Nice. I mean, it really just just super earthy uh, and spicy overall, super complex. Uh, leather, mocha, coffee, a little silky sweet smoke that I really enjoyed going on there. The first third of the cigar, cedar and tangy leather interplay with uh, earthy spicy, including uh, earthy spices, including pepper and a little bit of black licorice going on in there. A real silky sweet uh, sweetness in the uh, in the smoke, the way the smoke kind of mm-hmm. fills them out. That just left this real nice uh, sweetness to it. Mostly even burn, solid ash on it. Um, the second third of this, more sweetness development, uh, toffee or caramel flavors going on a little bit in it. The earthy spices and pepper are constant throughout. Hints of coffee and nuttiness, uneven burn. Oh. All the way through the second third of this. Solid ash. By the third third of this, you can see that in, in the picture, the burn's pretty uneven. It's actually starting to canoe. So I tended the burn right there at the beginning of about the thir- uh, last third of this cigar. Mm-hmm. And uh, pepper and licorice really picked up momentum. And uh, and uh, the prevalent underlying sweetness just was a wonderful framework to the to the earthy spices going on all over every uh, all over the rest of the cigar. Uh, mostly even burned for the rest of it. I tended it once; it burned pretty even all the way through. This was an incredibly complex cigar. It had lots of things going on. That earthiness just had tons of little little details going on mm-hmm. in there that that uh, I could sit and pick out if I had five of these uh, cigars. This is about a half-hour, 25-minute smoke. It's a small cigar. I see you went all the way down to the nub there. I did. I went way down to the nub. Uh, it was a great uh, little cigar. I enjoyed it tremendously. It scores a very solid five. So, And, and five, I'm guessing it would have done better, but Cubans are expensive. Yeah. yeah. This is a $12 and, petite Corona, twelve and, to thirteen dollar Petite Corona, and quite frankly, uh, you can pay a lot more than that for a Cuban, even the small ones. I can buy three yeah. cigars that I really enjoy for the price of this one right. four by forty cigar. Now, I am going to highly recommend this this cigar if you find one if you it's come a, across. It's fantastic. It's a great experience. It is fantastic, yeah, yeah. and it is and for a cigar that is four inches by forty ring gauge, <laughs> yeah, to be worth twelve to thirteen dollars yeah. and still get a solid five, I think realistically that's that's a pretty uh, pretty good rating. So, Michael, our, our uh, rating system that we use for cigars here on the show, we're we're definitely not experts. We just only can talk about how we felt about what we smoked. But we use a scale of one to ten. But on our scale, a five means you get exactly what you paid for. Okay. In other words, it was worth every penny that you paid mm-hmm. for it. If it scores higher than a five, it means it'd still be worth it even if the price were were higher. Mm-hmm. And if it scores less than a five, it could still be a good cigar, but maybe maybe not as good as what you're used to being able sure. to get at that price. So it's that's really, the way really that, kind of built around the price point. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Am I getting it's, value it, for this It's product? a price-to-quality price index. Price-to-quality index. Yep. And, and, and it's real hard when you start getting into expensive cigars for them to really get above a five. Well, that's Just right. Because, you know, if you're paying $13 or $18 or $25 right. for a cigar... Yeah, as good as it That'd may be, be you're like, yeah, it, it, yeah. Would you have been okay if it was 25? You right. know, so yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the way it can work. So, uh, well, I smoked a, a new one for me uh, this week. I'm always on the lookout for things that I haven't tried before, and I was in uh, specs right after I was. Uh, 
uh, eyeing up the display of um, of True Anomaly beers. Mm-hmm. I walked into the Specs uh, humidor. They have a pretty nice one in the mm-hmm. downtown Smith Street location. And uh, noticed a cigar that I had not really paid much attention to before, had not smoked. It was the Hiram and Solomon uh, line of cigars. I chose the Robusto, which is called the Master Mason. Now, when these pictures come up, uh, you'll be able to see on the band the the insignia on the band is the Freemason Freemasons, insignia. Yeah. And I felt a little weird actually buying the cigar um, <laughs> since it's made to honor the Brotherhood of Freemasons and I'm not in the Freemasons. And they're I, so secretive. What do they do? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm not even <laughs> sure what the Freemasons is. A golf club, a religion, a cult. I've been watching a lot of stuff about cults on TV uh, lately that show The Vow, and I've been watching this series on Hulu with Aaron Paul called uh, The Path, uh, where he's uh, in this cult and may want to get out. I don't know if he does or not. I'm not done with the series. Have you watched the one with RuPaul? No, oh, that's different. No, that's, right. a, that's a different one. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I've been watching a lot of stuff about cults lately, so I'm just not sure where the Freemasons line up. Is is it you know, it, Scientology, Mormons, Nexium? Knights Templar, the Lions Club, Presbyterians—I don't know. Uh, so, so like it's a—it's a very secretive organization. That's all I know. Anyway, the cigar has got a dark uh, Oscuro Habano wrapper. That Oscuro is kind of when it's one step beyond Maduro, yes. and when it's just a little bit darker. Uh, and it's got an Ind- Indonesian yeah, that's Sumatra. Yeah, beautiful. It's nearly black. Yeah, and so you can see uh, that Freemason symbol there. Yep. Yeah, I thought to be honest, I thought it was a Gurkha when I th- first picked it up because Gurkha oh, has yeah, some of those from cross a distance, swords. You yeah. see the yeah yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, the filler tobacco is all Nicaraguan on this from several different regions of Nicaragua. Master Mason is apparently the top tier of the craft of masonry. So I guess the Freemasons at least started as almost like a trade union type thing uh, for people that, you know, did bricklaying and Mm -hmm. other masonry work. Uh, So anyway, if you're a master mason, you're at the top. Um, So the cigar is presented, obviously, as being a very premium stick. Uh, Tobacco around the head of of this cigar did crack a little bit when I used my punch. To be honest, that's probably my fault. I probably just punched it a little too hard, maybe didn't moisten it enough. Uh, but anyway, the pre-light was very nice. Earthy aromas. A little bit of a sweetness from the Oscuro uh, wrapper, I think. A bit of initial pepper on the first puffs after I lit it up, but uh, nothing too heavy or crazy. First third of the cigar was nice. Not incredible, but nice. Uh, I picked up notes of cedar, some toasted nuts, along with a little bit of a tea leaf note that was mm-hmm. really nice. Um, as it neared the sounds half- like a nice cigar. So yeah, far. as it neared the halfway point, I started to get a uh, nice cocoa note <laughs> and uh, uh, some spices that, to be totally honest, I, I really I never could quite identify. It was a good reminder for me that I don't have this cigar tasting thing completely figured out. Like there are there are it's, notes. It's a constant. Work yeah, in it, it is. It's a work in progress. There are notes that I go that that's something, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. But that's you know that's I'm not sure anybody ever does you know figure it out, and I think that's. Probably part of the fun. Uh, the burn wasn't perfect, but it didn't need tending and uh, smoked along just 
fine. A very tight ash stayed on the, uh, the cigar all the way through the first third, and it dropped off in a nice big chunk when it did. In fact, uh, one of the pictures you'll see here is of the, the chunk of the ash when it dropped off. And it's. Uh, I take it you didn't drop it on yourself like no, I usually do. No, I, I was very fortunate. I dropped it on the little <laughs> table in front of me rather than on my shirt, Ian style. Uh, final third ramped up in strength a little bit. I didn't. There's the ash. I, I did enjoy the... Uh, Cocoa flavor becoming a little more prominent in it. Overall, it was full-bodied. It was very enjoyable. Not a standout, but very nice. Um, the cigar sells for right around 10 bucks for a Robusto. That makes it a little tough for me to rate it too high, because for my palate, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the, say, $8 Toros from you know AJ or Rocky Patel mm -hmm. or some of the things that I smoke pretty regularly. But it was a really nice smoke. So, price to quality, I will go ahead and give it a five. At a lower price, I might rate it a little higher because it was really enjoyable. Uh, but if it was more than $10, I, I really would have been disappointed. That sounds very nice. Yeah, it was nice. Overall, I felt like it was nice. <laughs> very nice. Pretty good. Nice. So, uh, anyway, uh, it's definitely worth trying out if you hadn't, yeah. hadn't, haven't had one and you're you know just looking to try different things. It was a bit different from some of the things that I've been smoking lately, even though I've been smoking a lot of Nicaraguan cigars, and this is mm. uh, a Nicaraguan tobacco, so it was definitely a different twist on that. So, anyway. So, that's uh, that's my notes on the uh, Master Mason. Perhaps someone in the show notes can help me understand what the Society of Freemasons actually does. Because I don't think they're bricklayers anymore. I mean, I know there I are... They don't get together and build walls, as far the, as I know. There are still bricklayers, obviously, because you see brick buildings being built, but... I just don't think those are the guys. And they're known as Masons. Running. Yes. And now, the question is, are all Freemasons Masons? I don't think so. But not all Masons are Freemasons. But I know my dad, when I was a kid, was in the Lions Club. I think that's right. He yeah. definitely wasn't a lion. Are you a Mason? No. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, careful what you ask for. You, you, I think you, you, might, you might get some responses. Well, you, you never know. Well, I mean, well, I'm it, completely clueless. Cer so. Certainly, uh, there are a lot of people we have learned over the 206 prior episodes. There are a lot of people who listen and watch this show that know a great deal more about pretty much everything we talk about than we do. So uh, if Wiki Brian is with us, he'll uh, he'll <laughs> he'll weigh in, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I talk to him once in a while. He hasn't been on the show very much, but uh, I talk to him outside the show mm -hmm. once in a while. He's been apparently kind of busy at work, and they changed, like, where he works, so he can't oh. quite get away with hanging out with us on the show yeah, while he's well, at work he, anymore. He's, he, he's <laughs> yeah. a fun one to have along, that's for sure. He is, he is. Uh, all right, we're going to take a uh, break, and when we come back, let the tasting begin. Uh, really excited about uh, digging into the beers from True Anomaly and finding out a little bit more about how this thing started, I will tell you that the word rocket scientist will be used in the description of the uh, humble beginnings of True Anomaly Brewing. Is it so, anomalies and rocket yeah. science? Yes. Yeah. Scientry, yeah. you're you're, going you're beginning on. you're beginning to see I'm a pattern emerge. Words, yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll invent more when we this come is, back. This is going to end up at Star Trek, isn't it's it? Smoking and toasting. <laughs> Live long and prosper, my cigar-smoking friend. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Uh, Welcome back. It's smoking and Justin. We are 
thrilled to have you guys uh, with us for episode number 207. Uh, by the way, in the uh, in the notes on uh, our yeah, Facebook feed, comments, yeah. Austin says, glad to see you all back in the studio. When is the 100th episode, or did I miss it? Uh, the 100th, 100th episode has happened, and it was almost four hours long, uh, but we also, right in the middle of this whole pandemic thing, hit show number 200. We had planned to do, I don't know, like rent a ballroom or some something and yeah, it was just invite everyone who loves anything and just you know drink and smoke like crazy. That unfortunately couldn't happen. We'll do something like that at some point to celebrate, but the 200th show was just Ian and me in the studio day drinking. That was it. That I think we really got pod, pod crashed by Alan on that. I believe too. we did. That's right. Our good friend Alan did. Well, I so. want to point out uh, Jessica's uh, laying down some knowledge. Jessica uh, Kearns from... Uh, 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 from Barrel. Uh, Barrel Bourbon. Sorry. Yes. Bourbon Barrel kept popping up in my head. I was like, no, that's not right. From Barrel Bourbon, she says, lots of Masons are Freemasons, of course, but not all Masons are... Not all Freemasons are Masons. Okay. And then she says, it's Sounds very like a much Dr. a fraternity, Seuss like Lion's <laughs> Club or an Elks Lodge. Okay. Which is, is, is good... To know, but I don't know what either one of those. What about the really royal either. order of? <laughs> what about the royal order of water buffalo? Is that with real the, or is that Grand Poobah? Or is that the Simpsons? Thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's, Flintstones, I think. Yeah, Flintstones. yeah that was the Flintstones. Right. Right. They had, had another the, one. They had a different the, one. On the it. Grand Poobah was the the leader. <laughs> the of Grand right? Poobah. That's that's like one of the greatest <laughs> things ever. Uh, that was before they. That was before the Flintstones jumped the shark when they added the Great Gazoo or whatever that little spaceman uh, was that yeah, ruined that the was show. So terrible. He was the scrappy doo of the Flintstones. Yeah, that's so when they jumped the shark. Yeah, that is definitely. So yeah, that, that's when it happened. <laughs> it wasn't before then. No, it was then. Uh, synthetic alcohol that doesn't cause hangovers or liver damage may be available within five years. Alcohol that makes you feel drunk without. Causing the hangover, according to researchers, is only about five years away. Now, on Star Trek, they call the synthetic alcohol synthahol. Uh, but Professor David That's Nutt, a very creative name, who mm-hmm. has has come up with this synthetic alcohol, he calls it Alcarel, which. See Not that makes appetizing. that makes me think of Steve Carell and I don't you know and and <laughs> Steve Carell's while, while lesser I, known brother while I enjoy, <laughs> while I enjoy his work I don't know if I want my my alcohol to remind me of him anyway uh, this professor who's come up with this formula says he believes it will change alcohol consumption once it is regulated he previously worked as the government's chief drug advisor before oh my God you can't make this stuff up. He previously worked as the government's chief drug advisor before he lost his job after claiming that ecstasy and LSD were less dangerous than alcohol. Might have a point, though. He might be right. Yeah, you know, you you can't always speak truth when you have a government job. It, uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I, th- I think the rule is you seldom speak truth when you have a government job. Anyway, uh, he uh, he created this alcohol replacement. Uh, molecule. The molecule is called Alcosynth. So that's that almost rather the the stuff be called Alcosynth than Alcarel. Anyway, he came up to it after first discovering an antidote to alcohol in 1983 when he was still a PhD student. So he was studying the effects of alcohol and, and what happened. Wait a minute, we have an antidote to alcohol. Yeah. I don't understand. We have an antidote to what we all do for a living. Think about it. Almost say, what 40 are we years fixing? ago, <laughs> we had an antidote and we're so, just hearing about it now. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, because they figured out an antidote to alcohol and no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, what the hell does it do? The 
only people who want it don't drink. So yeah. uh, so there you go. Uh, we want to welcome once again Michael uh, Michael Duckworth from True Anomaly Brewing. Uh, Michael is uh, here today with a number of uh, really very cold and delicious looking I'm cans. I'm so thirsty. Yeah, I bet you are. Uh, Michael, while you pour our first beer for us here, and by the way, we always try to pour some for the producer to keep him from uh, asking for uh, any kind of a... You know, raise or yeah. financial compensation sure. for, for doing the show. But uh, but while you pour there, tell us a little bit about um, how you guys got started. And you said you've been open about a year and a half. Is that Correct. right? Correct. Okay. About a year and a half or so. We, uh, we were a bunch of uh, NASA guys that started brewing in the garage like many other brewers that got their start. Uh, we were very, very fortunate to uh, kind of come under the wing of uh, some other home brewers that were, you know, kind of old gray beards at the uh, – at the the ranch there, NASA. Is it true that most craft breweries uh, nicely done start, you know, as as a home brewing experiment in a garage or or someplace? I guess some of them may be started by master brewers from another brewery who move on and open their own. Yeah, place, so I but, think the ones that are just startup, though, I think almost everyone we've ever talked to is like, this is how I started. Right. Yeah, I would say yeah. that's generally true. I mean, I, like any other passion, right? You just, right. You, do enough of it, spend enough time, put in those ten thousand hours. Next thing you know, you're pretty good at it. So yeah, and, and except for except step. for when you guys were uh, heating up the the uh, the wart, you're using rocket fuel, right? That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's we get a pretty... very quick boil. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm sure that's probably true. Now, uh, uh, just as someone who basically was there at the beginning in the garage, how many different batches did you? brew before you felt like okay we're we're ready to actually open a brewery and sell this to people yeah believe it or not i'd say hundreds uh really we we, uh we had a good group of us uh, there are four of us that started the brewery at about four hours a batch that's a lot of hours yeah yeah no it's more like eight hours yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh, brew day is about eight hours especially when you're when you first start and we all first start i mean you're not starting with state-of-the-art equipment it's just a single burner it's like you're making crawfish right you're you got a single (laughs) burner you got a pot there and you're going at a very simple kind of uh procedures there until you really ramp up get a full kind of production full all grain uh, set up. Um, and then when you bring more people on, like we did, uh, like I said, the four of us started that started, uh, enabled us really to do weekly brews, right? Uh, it's, it's a lengthy process. Like I said, a day of brewing is about eight hours. So here's this gotta, week's beer, right? right. You got to yeah. do transfers. You got to, you know, do temperature controls, tastings. I mean, it ends up being quite the chore if you're doing it solo. You also end up being a little bit of electrician when you're modifying your, uh, refrigerator slats freezer to regulate the to temperature, be able to regulate exactly, temperature those beer, kind of yeah. things yeah a little bit of everything yeah, yeah. jack of all trades when how, it comes to it how many batches did it take before you went from saying okay that's pretty good to to where you could say now that's great yeah i'd say about 5 years in uh, five from, years from in brewing wow. we, Dude, we, that, that's a lot of dedication if you think about it you yeah, know i mean again it was a it was a hobby right uh-huh. that turned into a little bit more of a passion so we and obviously the byproduct is uh something that's a joy to welcome <laughs> by all especially uh coming out of college we we started this uh back in 05 or so that um that you know we were already looking for more quality product and 15 plus years ago uh the variety of craft beer in the market was much more limited as well so right uh, we were actually you know brewing things that we believed and others kind of fed into our belief that uh you know we were brewing some things that were a little These bit better than yeah, what, and better. what you yeah. could be finding at, now, at your usual retail ian store. knows a lot more about home brewing than i do i've never actually tried it you've done some batches that you were 
wound up being reasonably proud of, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how difficult is it for somebody who's brewing in their garage to be able to find, you know, quality hops and the, the things that you're going to need to actually do something good? So my brewing experience is pretty limited in the fact that most of what I did was partial grain, which means you basically buy whatever recipe or you create your own recipe but you buy an extract right, like a beer in a box type yeah thing, right? like a beer right. in a box so thing, which can turn with, out pretty good beer right. so, so that's how we all started, your, yeah. we started yeah. as well. and it's it's a big easy step but when you're doing all grain what he's talking about is you're buying the grains you got to crush the grains and you got to uh heat them up and separate the sugars and you have that whole process which is a mm-hmm. much bigger process to right. go through and as i don't have a three-tier gravity fed system I don't generally do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's, yeah. it's cost prohibitive. Yeah, too. where am I going right. to put it? Right. You know. Right. So, yeah. um, so that's but there's it, it gets bigger and bigger and like home grain, home brew systems can get pretty expensive and I'm pretty sure. big actually. Right. But most of my brewing has been five to ten gallon batches most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine the step where you go from that to brewing at a commercial level that's got to be crazy and 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 recipes don't translate oh i just need twice as much of this to make it a double batch it doesn't work that way right, so right well being the good nasa nerds we were we went and did a lot of due diligence so we sent tom our head brewer off to uh do a number of internships at different breweries work there's on, a whole work montage of numbers and beakers in my head yeah, right now yeah. yeah yeah learn how to scale figure out what works mm-hmm. learn uh, more efficiency <clears throat> in uh product production obviously coming up with the recipes themselves on the homebrew scale, I would say uh, you're, it, it, you're pretty liberal to just add whatever the hell you want uh, into it. You right. know, you, you put you're, spices. You, you, you and anything. your friends are the only ones yeah. that are going to try it. Right. The it worst it can do is suck. Right. And, yeah, you know, right. you're going to just dry hop the hell out of something, and you're going to add a whole bunch. Well, I mean, you scale that up, it just becomes, uh, you know, um, price competitive, and you can't really do that. Right. right. Um, what, so. what is the what is the thing, Ian, that you've mentioned your friend – had homebrewed some beer and he brought it in and said, oh. "Well, if this is good." No, no. So I was I was brewing for the first time with a buddy of mine on 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 this. Is we had a brewing day, you know, and um, and actually it was Frank Krockenberger is who said this to me. Are you by kidding the way. You me? Know Frank. I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> so I was, I'm standing there and I'm looking at the beer and I'm scratching my head. I was like, "What if I brew a bad batch?" And he looks at me with the companionable look and the hand on the shoulder. He goes, "You know, if you brew a good beer, we're gonna get drunk and enjoy it. If you brew a bad beer," We're going to get drunk. <laughs> right. And eventually we'll enjoy it. Yeah. Is, is there – was there a, a time for you, though, when, you know, you would walk in with the latest one and people would give you that look like, oh, boy, here comes Michael with another of his brews, uh, you know, or or were, was everybody pretty receptive? I would say most people were pretty receptive. I and mean, you have to imagine that uh, or remember that, that a lot of our friends at this time were also young college graduates that okay, were yeah. looking for some cheap to free options i was gonna say these More are often than not you these know, are so. people who drink keystone light if it's the only beer now, available right. is, so. is this about the time you picked up the nickname the uh, tijuana tickler right correct <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. where'd you read that at? i i I just know things. Oh, okay. I smoke cigars. He smokes cigars and he knows things. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to hear shirt. that story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and I think we should. Um, uh, so you did hundreds of batches. How many did you feel like, okay, this is a keeper. We could brew this commercially. How many different styles did you have before you said, okay, let's 
you know, let's sure. uh, offer this to the public? Yeah, I'd say less than half were, you know, things that we really, really held water. And a lot of that was because of experimentation, too. You know, I mean, right. we, we did pickle beers. We did garlic beers. We did <laughs> things with mint in them. We did uh, anise, you know, like all kinds of different things. That, you know, we were just really exploring a lot of things. And you can do that on the homebrew scale and not get a lot too easier penalized than, yeah, for it. Yeah, right, you know? a lot easier. And a lot of the, I mean, the vast majority of those, like, well, we're not going to be doing that one again. Or it turns <laughs> out a little garlic, garlic goes a long way. Oddly enough, isn't awesome. Right, right. <laughs> Well, you say that we did a portobello uh, porter one time, which was mm. with mushrooms, and that one turned out great, right? I Weird. Mean, again, okay. We're not going to scale that up because no, we're not throwing <laughs> mushrooms into our uh, <laughs> brew, brew house at this point. You know, that would be that would be just a fun thing this to see. Place smells right, earthy. right. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know what? It was it was delicate. It was delicious. It sounds it good. good. Portobello porter sounds good yeah. to me. Um, well, so, yeah. So I'd say about uh, less than half, and then uh, of those, we really, uh, you know, did a number of renditions, uh, revisements to those to really perfect that. So by the time we had built our catalog up, I'd say about 50 beers or so that we felt confident enough that we could enter the market with and really utilize those. Again, I don't think anybody needs to have 50 beers figured out before they can go open a brewery. Right. But that's because of how long we had done it before this. We had a good catalog to lean on. Did you have one that you thought this will be our flagship, this will be the one? I, I always wonder if you can tell that ahead of time. Yeah, so, um, I mean, we we do. We ended up uh, aligning ourselves along the lines of um, doing some wild sour beer. So mm-hmm. the peculiarity with those is you really, they're very hard to imitate from mm-hmm. one batch to the yeah. next. Uh, and it's the so, wild. Right, and it's, well, it's why so many of them are the limited runs. You know, you right. get them this run and the next one may or may not be the same you know correct yeah so uh with with that in mind um you know we really were uh trying to bring that whole concept to market here in the houston area uh you know five years ago when we really start uh, building out the business plan and and looking at what the gaps in the market were that was a pretty large area mm-hmm. that we had a lot of confidence in that we had done yeah. yeah so sours wild beers we're gonna have one uh, coming up as well um here soon but uh, the other areas are uh, honestly the beers that we're having today too of uh, saisons, grisettes, uh, just Belgian style beers that mm-hmm. we had been brewing a bunch of that again just isn't prevalent in the market here in Houston. Uh, what we're sipping on right now is a, a single hop uh, pale ale, which again uh, isn't uh, extremely prevalent, um, but it does end up highlighting a specific hop, and we have a whole series here called the Park Pale series. Mm-hmm. That we do that with. This is Rocket Park, and it's the one that we've uh, kind of brought to to do more of year-round mm-hmm. uh, production on. So this is 100% citra hops. Um, it is citrusy and delicious. You, I was yeah. going to say you are you are you're, you're yeah. right in my wheelhouse here because citra is. I just love uh, the whole the whole citra hop vibe. There's there's very few pale ales IPAs that I've had with citra that that I haven't liked on at least some level. And this one I think is delicious. It's actually This is light uh, crisp and yeah, delicious. Yeah, it's, it's actually very light. It doesn't uh it doesn't like sock you in the palate. It's just got a very very uh easy to drink uh citrusy vibe to it and uh and a great finish. Yeah, great appreciate finish. it. Yeah, yeah, it's about five and a half percent right right on the nose. Very light, mm-hmm. very easy, very sessionable if you will. Um doesn't doesn't lay you down but this is the type of beer that I like to always have some of. And this will definitely be coming into the uh, the cruise beer fridge. All right, and this will be available to starting tomorrow at Specs uh, all awesome. across town. Awesome. awesome. Well, this is uh, this is great. You know, I ha- I have to mention my beer fridge because I'm still just so overjoyed that I actually have <laughs> that one. You have one. You know, um, you know, my wife is is you know very easy to get along with, but one of the things we would do a little push pull on was how 
much room in the big refrigerator I could Real have. Real estate. Yeah, for the uh, for the beer. So uh, so I finally broke down and bought a little uh, beer fridge, which I've had for a few months now. And I'm just, every time, it's one of those things, every time I go and open it up, I just get happy. It's just a, a feeling of happiness. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be adding some Rocket Park to the the beer fridge. And one of the things we let people know, Michael, is that this this program, Smoking and Toasting, does directly impact sales. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it it absolutely will because I'm going to buy some of this tomorrow at Spags. <laughs> right. So just just if I see you there, I'm I'm solid. I'm good. Yeah, you you know That's you know it's working. Yep. You know it's working. <laughs> it's happening. No, this is really good. Was this an early? Uh, an early formula or something that came along uh, a little bit later? So really, the, the formula itself is really the pale ale itself without the, the single hop, right? Mm-hmm. So what we tried to work on was just a good base recipe that we could go uh, infuse with any line of hops just to really accentuate that style uh, of hops and get people a good line. We've done, a, on, as part of this series in the past, we've highlighted Nelson Salvin, uh, Strata, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple experimental hops that have come out just to, again, for you as the consumer coming in um, who hear a lot about these hops or yeah. you see them blended into a lot right. of different styles. You see styles. them listed on the cans. You read about them. Right. So here we wanted to provide a very nice, clean back backbone mm-hmm. and really let the hops sing so that, you know, during the course you keep on coming into our place and every month or so, maybe a couple months, you find one of these and it's a different hop variety and... You know, you're saying, oh, great. I've always kind of wondered what mosaic kind of tastes like on its own or, right. or so, those elements. So will this one with Citra, will this be... Uh, available ongoing or after Citra, will you shift this to a different hop? So both, actually. So uh, we're going to continue with a Rocket Park. Uh, Rocket Park is one of those namesakes of uh, mm-hmm. Johnson Space Center yep, down yep. there and our old uh, mm-hmm. home. So uh, we have a strong tie to that. So that's uh, this is the first one that we've given this moniker to that we really kind of want to keep year round. However, we're going to continue exploring new hops as part of the Park Pale series in general. I love it. Ian, uh, let's make sure we give the camera a good shot of that for those who are uh, watching because uh, if you're in the Houston I area, I can't see what I'm looking this at. Here. It, I don't turn it, turn it a little closer. Thing turn it about a quarter of the way. Uh, there you go. He's um, flipping it around so I can the, see here. Uh, there the, we go. The uh, the Rocket Park is definitely, yeah, that's definitely a keeper. No question. No question, that's a keeper. All right, well, this uh, next one I'm pouring you, I think you'll enjoy as well. If you like saisons and and uh, we do actually little little uh, spice. You know, we I'm don't a fan. We don't have them a lot on the show, but the ones we have had, we have been uh, we've we've been big fans of. Um, so this this one I I'm guessing we'll that. definitely get more of on the nose. I actually passed him that one, so oh. if you want to pour some. Uh, ah, there we up. go. Yeah, so this has definitely got that saison uh, nose to it. Yeah, the funk, the dankness, if if you will. And this one is uh, dry hopped with the mosaic. Okay, and mosaic's kind of the uh, it's like technically the the daughter of uh, of citra, like citra on right. uh, on steroids. I right, think some people say you know it's. it's uh, the, the daughter of I think Simcoe and Nugget is okay. uh, is a combination of so. I, Ian, I, I feel like this has got more of a fruitiness to it than I was expecting. Well, it's interesting because it's got that saison funk that kind of overripe. It's got mm-hmm. a little uh, banana, almost banana peel in there, and then it finishes fruity. Yeah, and and dry and doesn't leave any of that. Uh, almost like a berry fruit. It doesn't leave to the it. aftertaste that I generally suspect or expect from a saison. Yeah, which for me very is dry good. Yeah, it's very dry. For me yeah. is good because I like. I, I, you know, we want the funk. You got to have that funk. Yeah, and the saison. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. got to have that you, funk. You, you got to have it. Uh, but sometimes I don't like 
if that is the lingering, too lingering yeah. finish that just stays with you. And and well, and so what I love about this is you get it on the palate, but it doesn't hang with you so long afterwards that um, that you go, yeah, I think next I'll have something different. You know, this is one for me with saison. This is one I could keep drinking. You know. Um, for a while. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I, I think uh, you kind of hit the uh, nail on the head earlier. Like nice ripeness to it, um, mm-hmm. lingering, but a uh, nice kind of sharp, dry finish that yeah. doesn't uh, kind of elongate that that funk. With it. So it really pre- prepares a, you for the next sip. It is almost a cider type finish to it. Yeah, it really does. The way that um, it, the way that it just is so crisp, but without tasting like an apple necessarily. It's mm-hmm. it's very crisp. So let me ask you this question: Is there is there a way as a brewer to plan for that to go, okay, we want a really crisp, dry finish, so we're going to brew like this in order to accomplish that? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, so uh, just the yeast that you're using, the level of attenuation with the yeast, um, mm-hmm. how long you're fermenting, it's all time and temperature with, okay. with uh, brewing. And then uh, really trying to get it, uh, the residual sugars fermented more out to provide that dryness. Right, I'm that one of those guys for. that I, I'm, I'm so bad about following a recipe. Like I always think, yeah, we can't oh, do I'll, that. I'll not, try not this brewing. and see how it works. Yeah. That's and that that approach yeah, doesn't that's, that's doesn't really. You'd be a that's good home brewer. Home brewer. Okay, okay, yeah, gotcha. you'd, be, you'd be an excellent home brewer. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's uh, yeah. that's that's. Let's worth put noting. some time in here. See how it works yeah, out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like basil. Do you like basil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guarantee you, whatever you're looking for, there's a beer out there oh, that has yeah. it in it. Well, I'm one of those guys that I've never understood why anyone would want a pickle beer, but some people love them. You know? Yeah, the who who made one that's on the shelves right now? It's got the best made pickles in it. Yes, it's, it's uh, all over the shelves right now. I, I keep I keep seeing it everywhere. In fact, they're even they're even expanding it. They've got more than one pickle beer in their pickle yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. So that's not my thing. You know, here's a funny thing. My wife loves pickles. Yeah, does not like sour beer. Well, oh, interesting. See, like, well, how you know, I brought enough. You're going to take one home, and we're going to try uh, it out okay, yet well, again. Good. Just I love to see uh, sour right, just to see right. how it goes. Yeah, yeah, uh, you right. can't actually make a beer too sour for me. Yeah, yeah. See, now, now yeah. we, you see, you need to come back to the to the uh, campus there, and then we'll we'll treat you where we have our whole slew of uh, funky wild oh, challenge sour accepted. beers. See, challenge yeah. accepted. Yeah. See, I'm that way with beers that have a a, a, a pepperiness to them, like a, like a hot pepper. Like I love oh. hot spicy food and washing it down with a beer, but I haven't really found a lot of beers that have hot pepper spice in them that I really enjoy. It's, it's hard. It's hard to stomach a, yeah. I think more than half a pint a pint of yeah, and yeah. it's a jalapeno or it's, hatch in fact, chili. My or least like favorite that. beer in the world is is one of those. It's that uh Dos Equis, uh Mexican pale ale. Mm. Oh, it's 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 terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Too. I did, uh, remember when the Don Jalapeno came out? The uh, is that no label or was that? Uh, yeah, it was no label. I think label. it was no Don label. Don Jalapeno yeah. mm-hmm. uh, came out, and a friend of mine told me they loved it, and I tried it, and I went, "No, but you know what I did with it? I cooked brats in it." Right. Oh, I and bet it was good. Yeah, damn, delicious. that was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I can enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. I, I can enjoy like a can of mucaliente. It's amazing for cooking. 
but by the end of the can, I don't want any more. You yeah. know, it's it's very it's like okay, I get it, but yeah, yeah I'm moving on. So we uh, so, so you were talking about uh, spice beers or jalapeno mm-hmm. type beers. So this is kind of the difference in in production and homebrew. So in the mm-hmm. homebrew level, we actually made a uh, green hatch chili IPA, mm-hmm. right? We made a mango green hatch chili IPA, mm-hmm. and you know, Interesting. Term, and again, it helped balance it out a little bit. I we bet, actually yeah. ended up winning some competitions. Wow, with that's that beer very for cool. Different uh, different areas. I think even down in Yaga's uh, when they had their beer competition down in Galveston, we mm-hmm. submitted it and came away with some some medals there but i will tell you again we have no inclination currently to bring that beer to market it, it right? would have to be a pretty limited market i would say spicy beer is is very polarizing yeah um and mm, the see uh, here's another weird thing my wife she actually likes spicy drinks like with with heat spice kind of mm-hmm. drinks you know like that and i, I right Generally, yeah. I'll pass them up. Yeah, I'm, you know, uh, uh, and again, I like almost every style of beer, and I like you know spicy food. It's, oh yeah, well, you know, it's yeah. difficult. I to can make do it spice in a cocktail though. That is that is different. Like it's a, a little like a easier, very a little, easier for very me with kind of of anything tequila based. I think I can add a little mm-hmm. spice to, and yeah, and then yeah. Well, it's got that peppery okay. base to it. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've made the the gibbons, which is. Uh, a recipe from Billy Gibbons. You read about that. Yeah, you it's, read it's, that. it's a tequila, Topo Chico, and a couple of slices of jalapeno dropped in. It's really oh. quite refreshing yeah. and delicious and just that little bit of kick. I do also, love fresh jalapeno. Topo Chico keeps on finding their way into, to new beverages. They're, yes. doing, they're doing a good job yeah. promoting <laughs> to, Topo Chico. does a good job promoting yeah, Topo Chico. Yeah they, yeah, they really do. All right, tell you what, we're going to take a break. This, uh, this is a very good – It's I, I think it's one of my favorite saisons I've had in – at least a very Appreciate long time. It. I think it's, it's one of the few around really here good. in uh, the Houston area. That's obviously an area that we're uh, we're marketing heavily in yeah. and, and bringing uh, kind of new new Ian, varieties let's to. Make Houston sure everybody on. sees that can too. So um, yeah, and our cans are very distinct. Uh, you, you'll be able to find them in the store. They're kind of brightly colored. Uh, our big kind of slash there in the middle that yep. represents our forward-looking exploration. Yeah, you, uh, you've focus. definitely got a, a, a sort of a, a theme. The colors are different. You've definitely got a theme to the design of the cans, which makes it makes it easy to find, which I think is awesome. So, All right, uh, more beer to taste and more uh, some tequila to taste as well. Ooh. Plus, Drinking News is on the way, and we'll tell you about those, uh, uh, those what was it? I just remembered. Oh, yeah. It's nine new bourbons to try right, right now. now. We'll be back. It's smoking and toasting. We need that reverb thing up working again. All right. Yeah, grab these other guys. Uh, let's, let's just do one in the next segment so that way we don't run out here. Okay. We have a... Welcome back. It's smoking and Toastin'. This is the program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. New designs available now, and they look really good. My favorite of the new designs, there, uh, there's a great sweatshirt, and there's a T-shirt of it available as well. It says, it says I just want to s- smoke cigars and pet my dog. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. I love it. By the way, that shirt you're wearing right now is just yes. a party. It is. I love this shirt. Like, this is like my wife got this for me. She came home and said, "I, I, yeah, I, I didn't know if you would like this." I was like, "How could you not know I would like this? Yeah. It's, it's fantastic." My enthusiasm was increased by at least two. That's, yes, that, that, that is absolutely good a, to know. Is a, a plus two shirt of enthusiasm. <laughs> just totally geeked out. So I just wanted to mention that I uh, I thought that uh, I saw a commercial this week. We were talking commercials earlier that uh, I thought was really brilliant. It was a commercial for uh, Miller Lite, light beer for Miller. And as most people who listen to the show 
regularly know we're not always that kind to the uh, macro brews, but I thought they hit on a brilliant marketing idea. And the whole focus of the ad was it's one calorie more than Michelob Ultra. And I thought that's brilliant because if I had to choose between a Miller Lite and a Michelob Ultra, there's no, cho I mean, that's an easy one. You go for the Miller, the Miller Lite. There's at yeah. least some flavor there. You gotta pay that penance. Pretty pale when it comes to the flavor. You know? So yeah. here's here's what I'm trying to figure out because I saw another, <laughs> I saw another commercial this week, for Michelob Ultra, hard seltzer, and I thought, why did they need that? They already have they got one. a fizzy water that's kind of sort of just a hint of barley ish. So, yeah. <laughs> but on this one, they add lime. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. It's a fruited. So. It's yeah, ultra. Yeah. Oh, I, don't I don't understand why all these macro brews are marketing hard seltzer with their own name. Bud Light hard seltzer. While I realize it's you know fruit flavored, no, that just look, sounds disgusting. Look, who wants a beer flavored I, hard I seltzer? On this, and you know who did this well? Boston Beer Company. Yes, they didn't name it Sam Adams Truly hard seltzer from Boston right, Beer Company. Right. Yeah. Technically a craft brewery, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and 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 those guys, by the way, are um, were one of the first of the craft breweries to actually uh, you know. Not only release a, a line of hard seltzer, but it's actually kind of kept them Look, afloat for the so last couple of let's, years let's because talk, it sells very let's well. Let's talk macro brew for just a second. Right, first off, only a second. It's been okay. I'm done. Um, <laughs> no, uh, first off, it's been how long has it been since they've even tried to remember the whole uh, great taste, less filling mm -hmm. thing? That's the last it's, I can remember them even talking about the flavor of their beer oh, in yeah. any of their ads. That's right. Like they literally don't even sell the beer anymore. They sell the the uh, vortex bottle. Right. They sell the cold activated can. Right. They sell the what was the uh, the twelve pack that you could open and just put ice in? Mm -hmm. like oh yeah. Sell, like they don't even sell beer anymore. They oh, I sell know. packaging and that's it. And so who Miller, cares what they Miller put their Lights, name on? Miller Lite's last advertising campaign that I remember. Oh, there may the, have been one that I missed. The bully campaign, the dilly dilly one. Oh no, that was that oh, was the Bud Light. Yeah, that's yeah, like worst be, worst yeah. beer campaign ever. Yeah. Uh, but Miller Lite's last campaign that I remember was, hey, look, everybody, we're going back to our classic can design. Yeah, they're selling the can. That's it. Really? That's I'm going to buy your beer because you changed back to your old design on the can? Right. We want short necks again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they started picking on each other about oh, corn, yeah. versus oh, rice, corn versus rice. Oh, corn versus rice. Which is still just, just an adjunct that, no. Real crap well, I, 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 oh, they did put rice on the ingredients, by the yes, way. Yes, they did. They, right. they they did. Uh, but you know what they left <laughs> they out? Put it in there. Oh, man. You know what they left out when Budweiser started putting on their packaging that their beer was made with water, malt, and barley, and hops? They left out the, uh, uh, the industrial strength floor cleaner that's included in the beer. You well. can taste it. You can taste it. You absolutely can. All right. Well, uh, welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. We are thrilled to have uh, Michael Duckworth in. Michael is a beer guy. He's with True Anomaly Brewing, and uh, these guys are all uh, former. You're all former NASA employees. Is that right? That is correct. That that's so. That's he he so still hasn't cool. told us the story of the Tijuana tickler. No, we're we're gonna have to get to that before the show is over. Uh, maybe a bonus segment. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. That's on uh, Patron or pa Patreon. <laughs> 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 uh, that's good. You notice he makes a face every time you'll, I say you'll that. Be, you'll oh. be, 
you'll be on the uh, Smoking and Toasting OnlyFans page. There so. you go. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Might be the only submission. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's 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 all good. Um, your uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, brewery as it as it's situated. People, you know, things keep changing in terms of what you can and can't do. Um, you know, during the pandemic, are you guys open now for people to be able to come and have beers? And and uh, are there? Do you have food trucks? Do you serve food? How is it situated at True Anomaly? Yes, sir. Yeah, we uh, we've uh, had to ad- adapt with the times, like many others. Uh, so we are currently open. We were uh, <clears throat> able to reopen a few weeks ago uh, by partnering with some food vendors. Uh, our number one uh, preferred partner right now is actually Vinny's right across the street. Vinny's. Yeah. So Vinny's Very Pizza, nice. top ten pizza in in Houston, and what goes. I have. It's been a while ago, and as I recall, it's quite good. Uh-huh. It is. It is quite good, and um, um, a lot of content in, in in there. They really stuff those pizzas with mm. as much as you want, um, and they are delicious. So uh, they're right across the street, um, and so you were able to collaborate with natural, them. Yeah, yeah, collaboration to bring them in. So uh, now, if you come to the to the brewery, we've got their menus on there. You can order direct from there. They'll run it across the street, bring it to you direct. Uh, you know, no destination charges or anything weird like that, which is really nice. Um, and that has enabled us to reopen. So we had to reclassify as a restaurant, which many other breweries have had to do. Mm-hmm. We were, we were, prior to that, we were uh, considered a bar under the eyes of Texas, if you mm-hmm. will, which are still currently closed, uh, at least in Harris County, uh, if you've been following the news on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that uh, has been a big boon for us, at least in the past month or so. Outside of that, we've had to pivot a little bit. Obviously, we had about six months of disruption uh, to the business where uh, only being a year and a half old, that's that's a fair amount of time yeah. of disruption mm-hmm. right, right. Uh, that we had. But nonetheless, uh, we uh, found uh, new markets, uh, new channels of, of distribution, uh, both through um, your traditional kind of uh, restaurants, bars, uh, pseudo bars, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that can carry our product on draft, uh, in addition to the cans that we are having in front of us today that, uh, like I said, we've partnered with uh, Specs to get those all across the greater Houston area. You can find us in... Katy, Cypress Spring, Porter, um, down in Clear Lake, obviously as well, and then you know many locations within the loop uh, nice. too. So uh, I was, uh, we shared a story. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago about Austin Beer Works in Austin getting particularly creative. They will actually sell you like a little plate of chips and give you a beer for free. <laughs> right, 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 right. So there's, yeah. the people had to come up with creative ways to to get around. Well, when I was the, in uh, uh, Galveston, the Galveston Island Brewery. Uh, Every beer uh, comes with a pretzel. Right, big right. Pretzel. And, and I mean, wow. people are being pretty creative, pretty crafty, if you will, yeah. on uh, on you know reinventing their space. And quite honestly, <laughs> um, I don't want to say gaming, but for all intents and purposes, getting around the uh, right. provisions of TA- that TABC has set yeah. out. You know, and yeah. and that's all kosher. That's legal. You know, I mean that that's fine. But spend obviously, less we're in money this new on furniture. Now, you guys yeah. were you guys were just <laughs> getting started, really. When the pandemic hit and things began to close yeah, down, yeah, we were right about a year in. We were about to have our one year anniversary uh, right before that, um, and we were really focused as a taproom brewery, where we we're trying to, um, as as I stated earlier, you know, bring new styles to market. Pretty much every week, have a new style available in the tap room. So if you're coming in every few weeks, there's a few new beers on the board, right? And probably right. a few others have right, dropped right. off. So it's giving you that incentive, that motivation to come in, come back and try what's check new. Out, sure. Check out what's new, right? Um, and, and we had a great become, success with that. We were doing really well. That's become a big thing in craft beer because people always are looking to try something new. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not like our our 
dads and granddads who kind of established their favorite brand and drank it for the rest of their life. We all, we often have not as much brand loyalty as we should. We we're always wanting to try what's new or what mm, we read about or different. what we saw on Untapped or you know whatever. So right. it's a uh, it, it's a different uh, it's a different vibe, and I think that. A lot of, at least before the pandemic, a lot of uh, smaller breweries were really using that to their advantage, you know, uh, brewing up maybe smaller batches than a bigger brewery well, would have to because do. Because people but come by, hey, what's on it? tap this week? Or right. what's on exactly. tap now? Very yeah. 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 And, and not any any different than uh, where we started the show off with, right? The cigars and talking right. about the different spirits right. and wanting to try that variety. And for a long, long time, the macro beer, the uh, the the... Um, you know, company is the brand, right? It's, just, right, it's yeah. Budweiser. It's Budweiser. Like, what, like, what kind of Budweiser is that? The <laughs> it's just, whole it's just industry Budweiser. was homogenized yeah, down right, to absolutely. like this brand and that well, brand. And right, right. we talked about came in and said, no, no, no there's there's hundreds of different styles. Yeah. Guys, we don't make one there's, thing. There's actually flavor. Yeah. Well, right, and we've right, talked right, about and, that variant. We've talked mm. about that show that I watched that was on Amazon Prime called Beer King, and it's this whole show about these Anheuser Busch brewers. All competing with each other within the company from the different brewery locations around the world to see which one can make the Budweiseriest Budweiser of all. That's the competition. Mm-hmm. It's not who can make a better beer. It's not who can come up with something new and exciting that could be the next big innovation for the company. It's about who can make the beer that is most consistently tasting like a Budweiser, and they have a whole panel of people that judges these things, and the guys compete. It's a fascinating watch, but you'll also come away from it really disappointed. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but in any case, uh, I I love that the the craft brewing industry has brought this new kind of uh, uh, experimentation vibe to the whole uh, to the whole thing. And by the way, this is delicious. Oh, yes. so we're we're tasting oh, on the, uh, the Go Flight right now. It's our uh, double dry hop New England IPA. Andy it's uh, pre- to the, uh, pretty camera. traditional on the uh, the hot profile there with the uh, the galaxy mosaic etc. Yep. Um, you'll find that in Three a lot of, my of uh, yeah you'll find them in a lot of uh, different uh, New Englands. Uh, for us in particular, um, we've been uh, working on this recipe for a little bit and uh, we're very proud of it at this point. This we, is an um, outstanding IPA. It really is. Now, thank you. One of the things, uh, Michael, about the two of us um, between the two of us, I'm much more the hophead uh, than Ian. I like almost everything IPA. Ian is much pickier about his IPAs and doesn't doesn't like the ones that finish with that sort of resiny pine cone uh, vibe. He he always prefers a much more balanced. So it's one thing for me to like your IPA, but for him the, to like your IPA is a, the is a big compliment. Is so important to me, and this is incredibly balanced. And I can think of about three other IPAs that this. That are in this level of that, and that would be probably too hard at ale. And I include that one not, and I'm not including Stone and all those other ones because those are so big. Right. But too hard at ale is a good drinkable uh, IPA, mm-hmm. and it's very balanced. This is a, a little more. Uh, this is a brighter overall. A little citrusy, a little more citrusy. Uh, citrusy yep. flavor than that. Um, there was a brewery in um, Keller, Texas, called Shannon Brewery that had a an IPA that was absolutely outstanding, very much like this. I believe I brought a, a beer on the show in the early I days. I think you did, yes. Um, uh, but it's very hard to find an IPA that's this easy to drink, this balanced, and doesn't leave you with that pine cone disgusting bitterness. Oh, real, this, real stin- stringent bitterness. This yeah. feels to me like it's in the same orbit with 
um, Lone Pint Yellow Rose, which is one of my all-time favorite IPAs. Lone Pint's a little... It's, it's more citrusy than Lone Pint than Yellow Rose. It is, Rose. but the, uh, Lone Pint's a little bigger overall than mm-hmm. this, too. This is this is more delicate, but right. with would balance. It, would it surprise like, you to know it's 7.6%? That would very much surprise yeah. me. So, I mean, I, I think, again, we've uh, you were asking earlier, what do you do with the beer? How can you really, like, work it as far as the, bo- the, the brew goes? And this is one that we've played around with the boil on, played around with the yeast on, played around with different aspects on it to get... Uh, a lot of the elements that you're, you're talking about find that balance uh, bring up the uh, the gravity a little bit at the end so it doesn't finish nearly as dry helps balance with the sweetness without taking those shortcuts that you yeah. might see other people do adding lactose or those kinds of things mm-hmm. we don't do that with any of our beers or really with any of these anyway that we're, we're looking at so unless we're intentionally making a milk stout or something right right, right. so know? so let me ask you this question let's say this one like totally takes off for you and you have to scale up the production to to meet the demand when you do that, is it all math? In other words, do you just increase everything by a certain percent to make a larger batch and it comes out the same? Or are there adjustments that you have to make in order to get the same kind of balance that you have in this once you're changing the amount that you're brewing? Yeah, so on our, our current brew system, it, it's going to be uh, pretty routine, uh, You know, whether you're brewing it um, one turn, two turns, three turns over the course of a day. Uh, to fill up that fermenter, right? For for the scaling for us is really about uh, the production capacity and how many fermentation tanks we have. Again, that's sticking to our what we have as a ten barrel uh, vessel system. So certainly, when we went to or you know, eventually when we look at getting a 20, 30 barrel vessel system, you're going to have to tweak those recipes. And we might actually learn that uh, in doing uh, more routinely and and more vigorously, we might have to look at that. the The biggest advantage, obviously, there. Um, is is when you are able to really lean into something and make it your flagship, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and then get on contract for larger hop quantities, you end up getting better selection of hops, right? Better right, uh, selection right. of grain. And that can actually Because you're a more important consumer of right, the hop. So right, right, right. And now you can come in, and, and that's, you know, that's when you're becoming kind of more of a big fish, you know, and right. then you can really go in there and start hand-selecting crop yields or, or years or whatever. Um so we're we're not quite at that that point yet. We you know we're eager to look at doing doing that in the future, and then we will have to reevaluate you know year to year. And one of the things that I always stress, that I think uh, you know most people don't always think about, is that at the end of the day, beer is a food product, right. and like any other food product, it has a certain shelf life. The, and with IPAs, the fresher the right, better. Mm-hmm. Right. The year to year though, the crop yield is different. The varieties that come out, although they have the same moniker and name to them, they might you know have mm-hmm. different qualities to them, just like <clears throat> just like the a vineyard. Or spirit drier, or anything else. Right, sure. Absolutely. So windier. Uh, there's all kinds of things that can right, happen. Right, right. Yeah. So I well, think it's important to, again, especially as a craft brewery, you know, coming out with new styles, different things, um, understanding a little bit too that, you know, we, you know, we're not this big macro thing that's going to water down our beer to have this, you know, exact level of taste right, yeah, and consistency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might experience a little bit of variance, and that's okay, right? Yeah, and just yeah. like when you go to grab a steak, I mean, it's not going to be exactly like the last steak you had, right? It's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. You well, know, you're going to give it a over a five, right. hopefully, on what, what, well, what you're looking I'll for. Tell you, but, but, I'll uh, tell you, if I have anything to do with it, you're going to have to start brewing uh, this on a larger scale because that is absolutely delicious. All right, all right. I got you two at least. Yeah, for, two oh, no, of the three for, no, for you, sure. You, you're you, not, uh, you're coming to picking up yeah, this weekend. You know. But again, you're in you're in my sweet spot here because the the pale ales and the IPAs are what I enjoy the most. And then I enjoy, you know, uh, you know, experimenting, sampling with the other styles. But yeah, uh, for a New England IPA, when I see the phrase New England IPA on a can or a bottle, I'm generally expecting a little more hop bitter 
that I'm getting in this mm -hmm. one. This one is so well balanced that what you get is the citrus of the hops and not that sort of resin of the hops. Now, sometimes I want that. I know Ian doesn't like those I, kind of beers. I will but, tell you but this. But this to me is an everyday. Like, yeah, I can that drink one this smells every Smells amazing, too. Drink yeah, it every very day. Lot, you mm -hmm. know, heavy on the tropical notes. Uh, mm. Yeah, big citrus, great Wonderful. fruit. You're going to get a lot get of that. Get a little in bit there. of even a mango right. uh, vibe in there. Right. It's, it's really fantastic. And, Cruz, we do have a, a more West Coast IPA. That, and it's supposedly okay. stated West Coast IPA, yeah, right? right? So right. you'll know coming in, Ian, you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, give me a sample before I get right. into this. But, but, it's, but, but you're absolutely right. But this to me, is one of the more balanced uh, New England IPAs I've had in a long time. I don't know that I'm, I'm that I like New England versus West Coast IPAs one or the other. I just think they have to be balanced and and. Well, it's not a for war. The longest, it's not rap. It's not a war. For the longest time, well, for the longest time it was West Coast IPAs were like like, how much hops can we right. brutalize you with? <laughs> Like That's it was really absolutely true in some cases. ridiculous yeah. for yeah, a long right. time. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hundred IBU plus beers <laughs> that were just and then the New England thing. We just named gave, our beer IBU. The New England thing <laughs> kind of gave way no, to yeah, all of the all of the hazy stuff, you know, becoming such a big trend and and. Um, I don't know. I, I've had a lot of these. That's that's one of the styles I drink the most often, and that's fantastic. No, I, so. I would recommend this IPA to anyone uh, who likes the idea of IPA but gets beat up by the hops a lot. This is outstanding. This is well-balanced. Appreciate it. Thank you. Immediately went to the top of like my favorites that I know of now. Awesome. Okay. I love it. And, right now. And, and those lists are always uh, you know changing and evolving, but, uh, but yeah. Smoking and toasting will definitely be yeah, influencing yeah, yeah. sales. Top I can tell IPA you, that. you have to have in Houston <laughs> right now. <laughs> I like it. I like and it. on that note, we'll be right back with uh, more on smoking and toasting tequila time in our next segment as we taste the tequila Miko Añejo tequila. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, where we are having some great beers today. Holy cow. Michael Duckworth from True Anomaly is with us. We are doing show number 207 of Smoking and Toasting, and we are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. It really is a cool site with lots of great new shirts. You do have to check it out if you were thinking about... Uh, uh, you know, holiday gift giving for persons like Ian or myself. There's tons of stuff on there we would love. And uh, all the shirts start, by the way, under uh, all the T-shirts, at least, uh, start under 20 bucks. So it's a pretty cool thing. Um, Liquor.com is one of my uh, uh, favorite websites to visit. And I really try There's hard. There's just so much stuff on well, that website. There is. And I really try hard not to give out my email to too many sites. Because then, like, if you email me something important, you know, I won't get it because I've got all these other I promotional a, emails. I have a trash you know? email that I give out to those sites that are like, you know. Well, liquor.com is one that I really look forward to seeing their emails come in because they always have such interesting articles. And uh, so when one came along that said, nine new bourbons to try right now, I, uh, I had to look at it. And they're all limited releases. So... These are ones I'll share these with you, and if you can uh, if you can find these and you're a bourbon fan, you may want uh, you may want to try them because they are limited and you may not see them around for very long. So if Chris, at all. Are, are we actually going to be able to find these? Because one of my my pet peeves is when we get these lists 
they always highlight something that I've, you, I've got you zero chance. Get, right? and, and you know what? Of, I, I, of I can't tell trying. you that. Now, see, this is one of the things we always tease our good friend Chris Hart about with his show because he does the Whiskey Neat show, uh-huh. and he'll do entire shows where he's talking about how great whiskey, uh, different whiskeys are, and you can't buy a single freaking one no, of them. No, no, yeah, never. and and so we give him a hard time about that. Uh, he, he even has a tendency when he comes on our show. To bring something rare and unusual that you can't find anyway. So, Which is nice for you. We enjoy drinking it. but <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know. But what I do know is there are some very recognizable brand names there. here. So um, what you might be able to do, and what I, like, uh, what I like to do with these things, is I'll write down ones that seem interesting to me. And then I'll go into, you know, Specs or Total Wine or wherever, and I'll start saying, hey, can you can do you have this? Can you get it? I'm making a request. I, I'll buy it if you get it. And you know sometimes they sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I found a few things and and some things you don't. So we'll see how we go with nine new bourbons uh, that according to Liquor.com you might want to try right, right now. now. Yeah. Uh, number nine is Sweetens Cove, Tennessee. Now this was a, a new one to me. Do you know Sweetens Cove <laughs> at all, uh, Ian? Don't know anything all right. about it. It's the first batch of a solo project. From uh, Master Blender Marianne Eves, who was formerly uh, the head distiller at uh, Brown Foreman and Castle and Key in their Kentucky houses. It's backed by Andy Roddick and Peyton Manning. Mm. So it's got the sports, you know, celebrity tie into it. Okay. But fortunately, neither one of them are mentioned or pictured on the bottle. So uh, to me, it, it, that's a little bit cooler. You know what I'm saying? No you know, pop. Hold on. Let me that, try it again. That, w- that wasn't loud, but it. No. Mm, nah. Oh well. I still like the squeaky squeaks. The squeaks though. were good though. That was good. So, uh, so I appreciate when uh, you know when somebody's not so identified with you know just because a celebrity invests in a product doesn't mean you know it's not like what Conor McGregor's whiskey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, just because they invest in it doesn't mean the product's not going to be McGregor. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen those commercials by did the you way. Hear That's that very one? interesting. That was yeah. better. That I was did. That was better. better. How did you do that? You just there you go. You got that cork. I had to be more dip. aggressive with, some with thrust. It. All right, Remus Repeal Reserve Series Four is uh, number eight on the list. Named for bootlegger George Remus and promoted to uh, commemorate Repeal Day, it's the fourth annual release in the series. It's a twelve-year-old high rye bottling, and uh, it comes from the distillery. So this is not one that I have seen before, but. It debuted in September of this month to coincide with National Bourbon Month, and they say it will reach full distribution by repeal day, December 5th. So that means you should be able to find this one. It is called Remus Repeal, Remus being named after the legendary uh, bootlegger. Uh, The next one, number seven on the list, weighs in at only $23 for the price. So immediately I'm interested. When when something makes a list like this on liquor.com or another you know mm-hmm. respectable site and the retail price is under 30 bucks I, I always get like really interested and this one is old tub mm. old tub old tub are you familiar with old tub uh, you know i've never tried it well it's from beam centauri uh, this is a limited edition bottled in bond old tub and uh before prohibition jim beam was named old tub uh, and the label's inspired by the brand's uh, late 1800s original look and feel. What's in the bottle is designed, they say, to harken back to its early rustic character. It's unfiltered and bottled at 100 proof. 
Larceny Barrel Proof is number six mm. on the list. I've had coming that. in at uh, fifty dollars. I've had lar- I've had larceny, but have I had Barrel Proof? I don't mm, know if I've had Barrel Proof. That is a good question. Yeah. Larceny's good though. There's uh, nothing wrong uh, with that. That's a fifty dollar retail price. Hirsch's The Horizon Straight from Hirsch. Uh, the inaugural expression of this bourbon debuted uh, this summer, and additional expressions are following in 2021. It's got a nice uh, blue label on the front. looks looks very, I don't know, looks very interesting. Hirsch is the name. H i r s c h. Yeah, I've seen that. The I Horizon. I don't know about the Horizon one, but I've seen the whiskey bottles before. At number four, Heaven Hill, seven-year bottled in bond at mm-hmm. only 40 bucks. And that's that's a pretty good price for a bottled and bond. First of all, Heaven Hill is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a pretty quality product. Previously, they say uh, Heaven Hill had a six year old bottled and bond available only in Kentucky. That it was, was last re- year. Yeah, it was reti- re- retired and replaced at the end of 2019. Actually, with this more widely available and more expensive uh, seven year old bottle and bond. They say add water to this. Hundred proofer to release delicious notes of vanilla, brown sugar, and spice. Mm. I will be looking for that one. Curious, real quick. What, what is bottled and bond? So uh, Ian explains this better than I do. It's it has so the the bottled bond act of I can't remember what year eighteen something or another. Um, one I of should, them eighteen. I years. should know that. <laughs> it's all right. Nineteenth <laughs> century things. Anyway, uh, the bottled and bond act was uh, as an attempt to. Um, to curtail uh, uh, counterfeit and and basically bad whiskey practices. So uh, when it's bottled in bond, it has to be made from the same distillery with ingredients from the same season and all bottled within the same season. And then uh, and then they have bonded warehouses. And it has to sit in one of those and it has bonded to sit warehouses. In one of those warehouses right. for uh, I, I can't. Is it, a minimum of three. years. I think it's a minimum or, of three years, and there are um, there are regulations to how these where in other, they actually have inspectors that come in and inspect mm, these yes. bonded warehouses to make sure that they're following so it's the. A, it's a more well inspected right. process and yeah. procedure, and, and everything comes from the same year, same uh, yes. batch, same, same season, harvest, same, yeah. yeah, same harvest, all that. So basically, it was a way when it was created, it was a way to uh, curtail if you saw the bottled and bond. Then you knew you were actually getting the real deal product versus, you know, like Joe down the road calling his stuff Jack Daniels. And right. Right. <laughs> right. With the backwards yeah. J. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen some of those? You find these on the Internet. Some of the, like, brand fakes that they have in other countries. Like, oh, yeah. Well, they'll have McDonald's. Amiibos. McDonald's, but it'll have... Uh, uh, an extra arch. part in the an extra arch, and they call it McDonald's or something. Yeah, like that. yeah it's pretty funny. Uh, Bullet Blenders Batch 001 mm. comes in at uh, number three. Bullet Bourbon overall, very high yeah. quality product. Uh, this is a fifty dollar bottle, and it's Blenders Batch 001. One. So yeah, maybe maybe what the moral of this can be is be on the lookout for these if you see them you know you may not be able to find all these but you may you may find you know they have to land on some store shelves somewhere right even if they're limited so uh at number two it's bradshaw this one was a complete new one uh to me it's a 40 dollar bottle of bradshaw it is Terry Bradshaw have his name on a Unfortunately, whiskey? yes. It's a two-year-old oh. bourbon from former NFL quarterback wow, Terry Bradshaw has arrived. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this. 
I was watching. I love me some Terry Bradshaw. Well, mm-hmm. I was watching the Fox Sports uh, pregame show last Sunday on television. I think Terry's been dipping into the skill. <laughs> the man is losing it. I don't know what's going on upstairs with him, but he's becoming. Uh, you remember who was the legendary uh, Madden? Yeah, yeah. He's becoming almost Madden. Well, if you want to win this game, you got to get the ball, yeah, and then you got to yeah. move the ball. Yeah, you got to yeah. get it down to the yeah. goal. That's Score how you win points. the game. I actually heard John Madden say one time, <laughs> you know, the goal of the offense is to score points because it, the the team that scores the most points. That's the team that's going to win the game. Oh, I love I, I, like I the actually, overly obvious. Actually, heard him say madness. that. Yes, yeah. actually yeah. heard him say <laughs> Perfect. that. Perfect, great. Uh, yeah. At number one on this list, coming in at one hundred and twenty dollars a bottle, it's Blanton's Gold. Now I'm guessing. Yeah, good luck in, fighting that I'm one. I'm guessing in in response to that. your question. No, we haven't had the gold, yeah, haven't we? I'm uh, pretty sure that uh, where did we where did we have it at? Man cave, the first time oh, we were there. Mr. Alan Denny, if you're on, verify that because you were there with us. He that was day. there, and yeah. Chris Hart showed up, and he had, he had. I think you may be you, right. That you could and, get. right, and that was his whole thing. Well, because it was Chris Hart, that was his yeah. whole thing. You can't get this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so let me read you what it said. Previously, Blanton's Gold was only available outside of the In U.S. Europe is where Thank he said you, it came Hart. from. Yeah. Uh, but starting this summer, the single barrel version of Blanton's is going to be available stateside, albeit in very all limited right, quantities. Right, right, right. Hold on. You can't get regular I, 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 Blanton's. First like off, regular. I want to say any Blanton's is going to be yeah. available. It's a funny is, statement. If this is going to be more difficult to find the regular Blanton's, yeah. Yeah, 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 I give luck. up already. It's the same basic high-rye recipe as the standard version, uh, bottled at 51.5% versus the usual 465 and packaged in the circular bottle with the familiar mm-hmm. horse and jockey on top. It's a beautiful bottle. I remember us. I, I think we finished the bottle because he, he brought in a bottle that just had a little bit left in it. And we finished You're the right. I remember. Now yeah. and and that was a while ago, but I do remember going, whoa! I hope this doesn't ruin regular Blanton's for me because <laughs> I get so excited if I can find that, you know. Right. And I have found it a few places. I mean, uh, for a while you could find it if you went to really out of the way, offbeat uh, liquor stores. stores. Right now, you but then everybody else everybody no. else figured out that plan. And ten and, years uh, ago, you could yeah. just walk you up just and buy it anywhere. Yeah, 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 amazing. Uh, so let's talk tequila. Uh, have oh. you had a chance to sample this? I'm, I'm about little, to go in for my second much, sample in a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is, the, the first thing that I get on this is it's got more caramel on the nose than I think I've ever had in a tequila before. Now, some of my very favorites, like the Reserva de la Familia, um, have definitely got a caramel note. But this one really, like you can put that, really smell it. Put that it. up to your face and breathe in gently and yeah. think butter, too. Oh, like yes. It's so buttery. Yeah. It's almost like if you took caramel and put it in a put a dab of it in a, in a bowl, surrounded it with butter, heated it up in the microwave, and then just stirred it gently. That's kind yeah, of the, like a little the vibe croissant. that you would get. And, yes, uh, and then you have that, that agave and the pepper that comes through. Mm-hmm. As soon as you take a sip, this is, this is sweet, sweet mm-hmm. tequila, like. Deliciously sweet tequila. Sweet in a very good way. Yeah, yeah. It's not like sweet nectar to ease the pain. Yeah. That's a little different. Yeah. But this is this is sweet and delicious. And but there the, pe- is, the pepper's still there. Mm-hmm. There there's pepper on the finish, but there's almost no tequila hug here. No, it there's really, very little heat. Really doesn't come back with a lot of heat to you. So yeah. uh that I love that, how it lingers on the tip of the tongue too. There's well, a, yes. 
that that agave flavor just sits right there on the end of the tongue. It's a very good sipping tequila. Yeah, to agreed. me, to me, it's always interesting to see because with when you talk bourbon, and you talk uh, 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 different whiskeys, there's so much variation based on what kind of a barrel and cast they they mature it in, what's been in that cast before, if anything. With tequila, there's not as much variation. So I'm always surprised when I come across something that tastes as different from every other tequila as this tastes to me. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The aging process doesn't have as much of an influence in tequila as it does in some of the other uh, spirits. Because you can get to Añejo or uh, even extra Añejo in a, a fraction of the time it takes to just get mm-hmm. to what you might consider a really decent age for a whiskey or a bourbon. Right, fraction. So, yeah. So it's it's always interesting to me to see how they come up with these different flavor profiles. Yeah. And uh, and this is good. I uh, As you can tell, Ian, when I removed the cellophane to make it easier for you here, I... Um, well, you also removed some of the liquid from the top of the yes. neck of the bottle, so it wouldn't spill. Maybe a little more than I normally do. Uh, <laughs> no, this is this is good. Uh, the bottle has almost no information on it. Yeah, it has one hundred percent de agave, but it doesn't have the identification numbers uh, uh, that you uh, usually see on there. Um, it has a lot number. Well, I'm a guy that's forty percent. I'm a guy that loves sipping tequila. It's really, really still is my favorite spirit. But I'm pretty picky about the ones that I really, really like. You've gotten good at that over the yeah. course of the show. Uh, and this one's, this one's definitely getting added to my favorite. We're going list. in for seconds. So this one, if I, if I got a, this one gets added to a very rare, I've still got a little bit, you can pour more. Um, <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a very rare air kind of top three. For me, it's the Reserva de la Familia, the Skelly. It's amazing. And now this comes in at the number Skelly three. The Skelly is pretty amazing, yeah. too. And this, this, you know this what? is this very has... different from the Skelly, though. This has, uh, but the drinkability uh, of the Skelly, even beyond the flavor of the Skelly, which is which is really nice, but the, just just how smooth and and um, and easy it goes down. This has that element as well. This is way easy to drink, as is evidenced by my second glass of it. Fantastically good. Yeah, we're gonna have to pick one of these up for the weekend. Highly, it'll highly. Be, it'll recommend. be gone by Monday. What was the price of the? Once again, smoking bottle? and toasting directly influencing directly sales. Influencing. What was the price? Uh, of it's the about a forty dollar bottle of tequila. Oh, that's, we'll yeah, that's that. outstanding. Yeah, it's about a forty dollar bottle of tequila. And you know, tequila it, Miko. For me, yes, tequila Miko, and and it's really the only one you'll find on the shelf in a bottle that shape. Uh, so, and I think they changed the shape of the bottle. I think it was a more traditional bottle shape before, and now they've changed it to this. If I, uh, if the limited amount of research I was able to do on it uh, is meaningful for anything, but uh, anyway, yeah, highly recommended. And I'll tell you something: anytime, anytime you go up above about thirty-two, thirty-three dollars in a tequila, you want something that will deliver that little bit of extra, and this one does. Yeah, this one really, really does. So uh, so, cheers, it's gentlemen. A good day for drinks. It's Salud. a good day. It's a good day for drinks. All right, Salud. we're gonna in our final segment. We will come back. Uh, we will bring you this episode of Smoking and Toasting's Drinking News. Um, Ian will play the ukulele, and we'll try one more beer. Now, this is the sour. What is the name of the sour that we're going to try in the last? Barrel, named after Barrel Markham, mm-hmm. which was uh, not only the first person but the first uh, woman to uh, fly the Atlantic. Very uh, nice. Solo. By the way, I noticed that one of your beers was uh, Sally. Is that named after Sally Ride? You got it. Had a feeling. Had a feeling. All right. We'll be back with a, uh, a really, uh, really interesting-sounding sour and some drinking news. 
next at Smoking and Toasting. Some serenade. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Show number 207 is here, and we are brought to you by uh, the very fine website called MyCigarShirts.com. It's kind of hard to say, actually. MyCigarShirts.com. I actually one time mispronounced it in a not-too- flattering way. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the site is great. There are uh, a lot of different designs there now for cigar lovers and those who love them. And don't forget the holidays are coming, so you can get a gift for anyone on your list, like Ian or myself, that loves uh, that loves a good cigar. So it's... Did you want to say something? You got to look like you were going to say no, something. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Um, all right. So... We want to uh, thank Michael uh, Duckworth for coming in. Michael's with True Anomaly Brewing. Um, And this, I have to tell you, this to me is like a really, really good show. I was thinking about, you know, when when we're done with the show and I'm driving home, uh, about what shows I look back on and think, that was a really great show. Uh, Are they the ones where Ian was particularly insightful in his cigar review? Well, maybe. Are they the ones where we had, you know, Great comments on the live feed from uh, from people as we were on the show. Yeah, maybe. But for me, the shows that really make it to the top of my list is when everything we tasted was amazing. And yeah, today's shaping good. up to be one of those days. Some really good beers, uh, a great tequila, and now in our final Ooh, segment, yes. we'll be trying this uh, this fruited sour. So while you open that and do the pour. Let you me got, bring in. You got one more chance to blow it. Man. Yeah, <laughs> all right, all right. we'll do our best. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, we have uh, we have just a moment to bring you a, a segment of the program that's come to be revered by literally tens of people. Tens okay. and tens of people. Oh, it's just the item I was going to guess earlier. It's just drinking the, uh, news. What's wrong in the industry? Oh no, but we'll get to that too. Oh, I yeah. promise you. Drinking news, drinking news, and now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. So grab a cup while we gather round. Saddle up while we drink them down. I've got a story and I swear it's true. So now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Do we need another verse? You're taking a sip over there. Well... I, I didn't know if you were going to go on or. Uh... A Florida man with one arm <laughs> said he had a gator for a pet. It's my favorite verse. When mm-hmm. I asked him about his absent arm, he said, Well, I, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Thank you, Ian. I like the segment so much better now that we have you. Cheers, y'all. It's a great on intro. On the ukulele. <laughs> and, and, and that is my favorite verse, so I always wait to see if you're going to do the second verse or not. Uh, once again, a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, Drinking News is a segment on the program that is that may or may not be about drinking, but is always probably best enjoyed if you are drinking. And so, perfect show for that today because we've had so many great things to drink and uh, I'm already excited to tell you about this first little t- t- uh, first little t- uh, first little sip that I took. How much drinking have I this been doing? <laughs> oh, enough, enough. This, uh, smells, 
This uh, has a little bit of a breakfast cereal kind of smell ooh, to it. Ooh. Ooh. See, I love a good a good bowl of uh, Cap'n Crunch with Crunch Berries. Like ooh. just a little bit. Like yeah. you can kind of smell the fruity and the sour, but the breakfast cereal is kind of right underneath that. Well, a drinking news story is always best uh, to uh, partake in while you're drinking, while you're partaking. And it doesn't start with a I'm Florida in. man, as so many good drinking news stories do, but it does start an Ohio man. An Ohio man was arrested for felony drunk driving after allegedly crashing into a van in the Little Caesars Pizza drive-thru in Massillon, Ohio. According to jail records, and Adam, you can now post the drinking news photo, Donald Norman Duck, a 51-year-old from Taggart Street in Massillon, smelled of alcohol and had red and glassy eyes when officers responded to the restaurant around 5.35 p.m. that day. Jail records show that Donald Duck's 1998 Jeep struck a GMC van twice in the drive-thru. Officers also confiscated a bag of suspicious marijuana. As opposed to non-suspicious. As opposed to non-suspicious <laughs> marijuana, yeah. No, don't worry, officer, it's just non-suspicious. Wait, what state was this? Ohio. Marijuana. This was oh, Ohio. Ohio. Okay. Uh, yeah, they confiscated that during He's the arrest. Get points according, off of his license. According to jail records, Mr. Duck has four previous drunken driving convictions, according to uh, court records. Um, so it's it's not a particularly like crazy story, although he did crash into the GMC van two times in the <laughs> drive-through. <laughs> so <laughs> the first time wasn't good enough. He had to hit it again. Uh, but the fact that the man's name was Donald Duck, like Donald Duck, Donald Duck arrested for drunk driving. And I don't know if you his saw parents, the photo when it went his up. His parents was, did that to him. It, it was perfect. His parents, by naming him Donald. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You'd either become a guy that gets drunk and runs into people in the Little Caesars, uh, you know, uh, uh, takeout line. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Also, or you'd become a badass and you'd just, like, kick everyone's ass in the playground. You don't suppose anyone teased him when he was young about yeah, that. Yeah, well, thing. that's the thing. It's mm. like the whole... That's like, like the boy named Sue Yeah, thing, it's like right? the whole Johnny Cash thing. It's going to make you tough. So, oh, I no. apologize. I should have silenced uh, my phone. Okay, so you know what's happening right there is your car warranty is about to expire. Oh, right? dude, Definitely. that's been happening to me a lot lately. In three years. My car warranty has expired so many times. They call me about that all they the time. They call me all the time. <laughs> My car's a year old. <laughs> my my favorite is when they call me about my high credit card balance. I go, oh, great, thanks. Um, which card are you speaking of? Silence. Silence. Oh, man, I did that, and the guy was like, oh, your Capital One card. Oh. I was like, oh, man, that one's really high. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then because I was on my way to work, I had nothing else to do for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so then I sat there and kept interrupting the guy, like how excited I was to get my, uh, uh, my credit cards paid down, you know? And... Um, and finally, I'm away. Like I was walking through the front door at work, and I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, by the way, I don't actually have any credit cards." And this guy started going, "Oh, you <laughs> mf, blah blah blah, time waster." <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, "You called to scam me, and I'm the asshole yeah, for wasting right. your time." That's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's a great story. Should have asked him for a credit increase. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really good. Uh, so speaking of really good. Barrel Fruited Sour. Now, tell me again about the origin of the name. So, Barrel. Barrel Markham uh, is uh, the first woman to cr- uh, cross the Atlantic solo, I believe, from uh, West to East. Okay. So, uh, so um, 
uh, the the beer itself, fruited sour, uh, raspberry red currant, and uh, we do our uh, fruited sours very traditionally. We referment mm-hmm. over the the fruit. They're all uh, natural fruit, so. Uh, you don't get as much of the uh, kind of sweet smoothie forward right, type. Right, right. This is more sour. of a true sour. It is. So yeah. you're going to get a tart element in there now, um, and this finishes uh, pretty low, but you still get that uh, residual um, essence of the fruit there. So it's still going to have a, a feeling of sweetness, but uh, still finishes pretty dry. Should be balanced a little bit. Still a little tart, though. I mean, it's right. still going to come through. Well, I, I enjoy the, uh, the St. Arnold Raspberry AF. But to me, this the addition of the red current to this is really, brings this really whole other stroke. thing. Yeah, it really is. You know, I'll let you take the can and show that off there to the camera. But, uh, but no, this is really delicious. And you know, I do run into people from time to time who say, "I just don't like sour beers," and I always think, you know, let me let me pull a couple together for you to try because you may have not tried the right sour right, right. beers. And we get a lot of that in the yeah, tap room you know? as well. And, and at the end of the day, again, I mean, our whole mantra there is trying new things, bringing mm-hmm. people in. I don't expect everybody to like everything, but give it a shot. Right, right. And I, I'm actually always surprised by uh, it's it's narrow, never stereotypical. It's always surprising to me. Somebody walks in, and it could be any form of human that walks in and says, oh, you know what? This is my bag. I'm, I'm really enjoying these now. Let's go ahead and line up. What else you got? You know, we have, mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. the Sally earlier. That's a, a strawberry rhubarb sour. We have Vera that's coming out a little bit later. That's Marionberry and Boysenberry. So, and we do a lot of fun different sours. We have a straight American sour just base as well. Uh, our Goza is currently available um, mm. in the tap room as well. And some of these are just tap room exclusives. Not everything comes in the can, right? So right. Uh, <clears throat> the Goza itself is uh, named Fredericks, and it is uh, highlights uh, just a traditional German style Goza with uh, sea salt and coriander, right? So not yep. any fruit yep. at all. I mean, it's actually I really enjoy it because of that salt element and the sour. Mm-hmm. It really that one really does invite you to kind of take the next sip you know and, how many uh how many of your beers will be available uh at specs for instance or out uh, and distributed yeah so everything we've tasted today is available okay. we've got uh one or two other additions the ben's house i mentioned earlier yeah, and uh, tell us about the ben's house that's an ipa as well right? it is the ben's house ipa it's a west coast uh inspired ipa that we finish off with an english style yeast which actually does end up balancing a little bit so we call it our uh, our friendly IPA, because of that uh, yeast strain, it doesn't um, end up elongating those uh, kind of more stringent mm-hmm. elements. So you have a, a nice uh, West Coast, uh, more sea hop, Centennial Cascade, Columbus uh, inspired or, or infused uh, IPA. But uh, so it, it is a little more piney uh, on the front end, but it doesn't uh, really have that, you know, real tannic linger so you take mm-hmm. a sip it's nice and it's a little more friendly and you can kind of go on to the next right. one i think the the people like ian who really don't like that um that sort of piney vibe that ipas can give off it really has more to do with how much it lingers on the finish you that, can handle it to do it yeah. you can handle it more in the you know in the actual middle of the palate but if it like stays with you and makes if you kind I gotta, of go, yeah. if I got to take a drink of Malort to get rid of the IPA, <laughs> if you got to take a drink yeah. of Malort for any reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know some boundary has been crossed. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, that's that's really interesting. So well, then the other one I'll just wrap up real quick has mm-hmm. uh, it's a small giant, uh, which is a Neil Armstrong quote about uh, basically being on the moon and looking back and feeling. Small. Like a small, yeah. right, right. I mean, they were asking me, you feel like a giant up there. No, I'm feeling very small, right? Small, right. Giant. Okay. Um, so, uh, and obviously, all of our names have, have a tie to that. So, um, but 
Um, that's a grisette, which is a petite saison. So again, if you if you like the saison, the little pepper spice kind of character that a traditional saison provides, this is a, a little um, subdued, but great. It's about four and a half percent, nice, and you'll be able to find so it's that a nice, one. easy to drink. Uh, right. And yeah. and in your tap room, you guys have uh, growlers, crowlers, growlers. Uh, so everything is available. Yeah, so technically everything's available. You yeah. can get crowlers to go. We do two packs, even if you four don't have them pre-done, you can. Yeah, you can whip those absolutely, up and we got a couple of uh, bottle editions as well that mm-hmm. are, um, you know, really longer projects that we've done some food or wood aging with that have, you know, sat around for a, a good while, um, getting a lot of that wild, more funky characteristics. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. sweaty pineapple, the hay, the you know barnyard type uh, farmhouse ales mm-hmm. that um, are, are a little bit more of a sophisticated palate, I would so say. So much right? great but, experimentation, But, but yeah. obviously have a lot of layers and complexity to them, too. And we sell those in 750, 500 mil bottles, right? Then. You know, so you said sophisticated palate. My, my friend that gave me that bottle of Malor would say, challenging to appreciate. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think yeah, you're really. You'd be, you'd be surprised again how many people come in, try something, and go, "Ah, I've never had a damn thing like this in my life." And yeah, I like, this is this is it. But this see, is, like, so when I go in, when live. I go in, I want to try as far out as you got, because yeah. I really want to try different. Yeah, you know, I may end up drinking a pale ale or a, a, a porter or something like that, but I really definitely want to try as far out as you got because that's just the way. That's fun to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we encourage doing. I just wanted to let you know, I just got an alert on my phone. Apparently, you have committed a uh, a broadcasting uh, violation. You're not allowed to say sophisticated palate and malort in the same uh, Mm -hmm. sentence. Oh. So... um, you know, we may have to pay some sort of a penalty. There's going to be some kind of <laughs> fine. <laughs> we have to redo the episode now. Um, so, uh, <laughs> all right, let's start over. To, we got beers. I wanted to get you to weigh. Yeah, that's right. I think we got enough to work too. Uh, I wanted to get you to weigh in on this and see if this was a problem at all, or that you guys could face, or other craft brewers in our area. Craft brewers in Massachusetts have been trying to keep up the, with the demand for uh, beer during the pandemic, but are facing a new hurdle in form of, in the form of a shortage. Of aluminum cans. Mm, that's what I was gonna guess. Oh, yeah, and I was gonna give okay. I was gonna that's give okay. you a chance to guess. Lead the I, witness. A my bit. my my bad. But no. uh, but is that a thing? Yeah, and it's everywhere. It's not. It's not. Not uh, just Massachusetts. Not, okay. No, we're having the issues here as well. Um, we actually just got a new order in today, as a matter of fact, uh, for some some more cans to backfill. In other it's, words, drink your beers, recycle your cans. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Do that. Uh, and you know, uh, interestingly enough, you know what the driver is. It's uh, it's all the seltzers. And the is it really? So, it's this whole new market. Well, at the and, end of and the there's day, also there's also been a huge move in the last three years of craft beer, at least, from bottles to cans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which can, I cans are just hugely on the rise, and there's only so much aluminum to go around. So they allocate all this aluminum to these different size parameters, right? Right. And now you've got these kind of slim cans and the seltzers and the canned wine that are really coming up. So they're allocating more of this aluminum mm. to those size standards, and they're taking it away from the 12 and 16 ounces, right? Uh, also, so it's just becoming strain in the market. And then you have, the uh, obviously, the pandemic going on, right. that everybody's production has really kind of had to pivot and look at that right. distribution methodology well, going into cans. And uh, we're, we're no different. Is right? this going to push the market back, you think, if they if they have too much of the can um, 
the lack of cans, uh, do you think it's going to push the market back to go into bottles? Actually, I don't think so. I mean, there's some things the cans that I think are way easier to. They are, and I think the industry today and the consumer yeah. today just really uh, has adopted them full force. They really enjoy them. Bottles at this point have some really of kind of earned their spot, I would say, on some higher echelon beers. Now, when you come in and you see uh, beers, at least, you know, you go down the specs aisle and you see what's in bottles. Those are, you know, $12 plus yeah, kind of, I kind mean, of items. There's a certain physical feel to a bottle, especially a nice uh, bottle. Uh. When you pick it up and you go, okay, that, you know, like great presentation, for instance, is uh, the, um, the Goose Island, the... Um, yeah, bourbon I mean, barrel stout. Like right. when you pick up that bottle, you feel like you're picking up something that's sure. very distinctive. Right. And and there's a place for that. I'm a big fan of cans because of the lack of uh, uh, UV and all the different things that can happen in a bottle, and especially like bottles, like like beers that come in green bottles or clear bottles. Yeah, but I'm not drinking. Like, what is those. wrong with right, Newcastle? Right, Why right, do they right. do that? I think I think it's to your so point, so good when it's not in a bottle. Yeah. Anyway. I think, well, the uh, the price point too to to your your uh, earlier assessment is that um, when you when you do go get one of those Goose Islands, uh, which is a big beer, but we won't talk about it. Uh, it, that, didn't that, start, it didn't start out that it way did, though. It I what? hate that it is, but you know everyone knows that one. So but I if you're going to go buy a twenty thirty dollar bottle, you're going to buy a bottle, right? Yeah. If I if I gave you a seven hundred fifty milliliter can and said it was thirty bucks, you'd be, I don't know. Well, you know what? Uh, you know what? Um, uh, Martin House has been doing. They started doing the uh, the tall box mm-hmm. and with, they're putting with the two, two bands in, in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just mention anytime we bring up Goose Island, I just feel compelled to mention uh, how uh, much, much we enjoyed. As, as much as we don't want to put money in ABM pockets. Yeah, but uh, but I have to mention how much we enjoyed having the author of. Bourbon Barrel Stout and Selling Out uh, on the show. Oh, he was awesome. He was awesome, and that is such a great book. If you're Have you even, read this? if you're even oh, marginally interested in craft beer, it is a great cautionary tale, and he approaches it very fairly. He doesn't come at it with a biased viewpoint, but he does a great job of reporting on it. So anyway, um, it's uh, it's a great book. You can get it at Amazon and any place else. I think very that good. you buy books, but uh, but we recommend it very yeah. uh, very highly. Um, I'm a big fan of beer in bottles. In in my mind, I I will not drink a beer in a can unless I just have no absolutely no choice. It's got to go into a glass and and preferably a chilled. That's glass. the way I generally do it. Yeah, yeah I think a but, lot of people are I'll doing drink, that. I'll though. drink a beer out of a bottle. But you know what'll make cold. a difference? You have a little uh, like can slash bottle opener that has the sharp uh, end on it. Yes. If you take it and you punch what they call a little speed hole right on the back side of that. That doesn't have anything to do with keeping it cold. The reason I that's don't, called a koozie. But the re, uh, no, it doesn't work. Koozies do not. Let's 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 are call you, it are, here and now. Koozies do not work. Oh man, I got one of those well metal enough. arc. I live ones. in Houston, rock. Texas. Oh, those work. Yeah. I live in Houston, Texas. I challenge you to drink a beer. Unless you're just shotgunning the thing in the middle of the summer outside in Houston, Texas, with, that is in a can, and have it still be cold when you get to the end. And I'm an outlier in this. Have, I know it. Don't you I have one of those little Yeti beers. koozies? I do. And they work amazing. Okay, but I had to buy an accessory to make that work. True. But if bottles don't do any better out in the sun. Oh, they do much better. Are you kidding me? They stay colder much longer. <laughs> okay, just because you have the sound effects box doesn't make you right. You're not my ex-wife. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But she 
sounded like both of those from time to time. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I really uh, want to thank you, uh, Michael, for coming in. Michael Duckworth uh, is from True Anomaly Brewing. We have tasted really very, very outstanding beers. And to me, I, I think it says so much about the future of craft brewing to have a, a brewery that's as young as you guys come in and, and have four beers that are this good. I mean, I, I've, I really, it really encourages me about the whole way things are being done. And I realize these maybe even, you know, some of your more mainstream things you were talking about, you know, you've got some really specialty things in, in uh, bombers and, and other things that, you know, those would be very interesting to taste as well. I love that you're experimenting, but I love that what you've brought to, you know, some, some really mainstream styles in New England IPA and uh, a pale, pale ale, ale yeah. and, and the Saison I thought was just, was just absolutely terrific. And, and one of my, one of my favorites that I've had, it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's just a tribute to what you can do if you're four rocket scientists who start a brewery. Wait, that didn't come out exactly as I, as right, I intended Anybody it to. can do it. That, but, you got it right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. It's not rocket. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, uh, so, uh, so you guys, in the Houston area, you guys are now available uh, at a number of the Specs locations. And you've still got, uh, obviously, you, people can still come to the brewery and sample. How many different kinds of beer will you have on tap at the brewery at any time? we got about time? a dozen. On, about a dozen. Tap, right. So that's quite a bit to choose Just from. Just FYI like for anybody coming into Houston area, if you find yourself standing there looking at the George R. Brown Convention Center, you are yeah, blocked from You're super close, yeah. And yes. can people uh, swing by and, you know, just... Uh, Grab uh, beers to go. Is that is yeah? That absolutely. We got to reach in. You can grab anything we've had today, and then also just hang out in the tap room. We're open every day at two o'clock, noon on the weekends. Open till ten midnight. I mean, in between, certainly you can find something in between those hours to come hang out with us. Last question: Do you feel like it helped you guys to not be further down the road, mm. further vested in, you know, whatever it was that you had? going on when the pandemic hit and you had to kind of take a step back and reconfigure uh do you think uh, because i've i've noticed that some of the it feels like some of the breweries that are super established and have great distribution are weathering it pretty well because they're in the stores and maybe even in the supermarkets and then it feels like maybe the new guys were able to pivot a little faster uh, but where, where did this find you guys in terms of yeah, I'd say we uh, we f probably fell somewhere in the middle there, honestly. Uh, so again, pretty pretty young, year and a half old, year when the shit hit the fan for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's you know, exactly what happened. Yeah, we uh, we certainly would have appreciated being uh, um, a little bit more established in the uh, retail market, in the distribution, uh, the game, canning. Yeah. I, I would say. Uh, Again, was a, a big uh, piece of us getting back to normalization. Would have mm -hmm. loved to have had that um, under our belt already. We were really focused on the tap room, and like I said, we had great so success with that. But did you guys have to get stunted. someone outside to come can for you, or uh, did you have to? No. Well, we again install. We, re we reached out. We did a lot of things. Uh, I mean, again, in mid March, uh, you know, we started getting information that you know there's some shutdowns were coming. Immediately, we started looking at opportunities to get some mobile canning. Type operations going. Yeah, yeah. I and, know a lot uh, of a lot of breweries use those yeah, mobile yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but uh, you know, within a week, I would say, you know, we were in middle discussion saying, okay, what can we do? What can we do to get you in? You know, how we set this up, yada, yada. And they said, hey, honestly, we've gotten inundated to the point that we are only going to be able to service our current accounts and existing accounts, right? Wow. So that's where, uh, and at the same time in parallel, we were looking at canning ourselves. And again, we execute, I mean, very quickly. This is quickly, part of your plan. It just got accelerated yeah, a bit, right? Yeah, very quickly. You know, within, I would say, a week, two weeks, 10, 14 days of the shutdown happening, we had already put in our purchase order for this canning line. You know, and then there was just a that long lead just, yeah, ahead, a little ahead of, that, of right? the, everyone else who went, oh, but, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, again, just from, uh, from you know, being ready, we, we were young and we were already looking at some of these facets mm -hmm. and distribution methodologies. Uh, so, um, so, you know, just having to execute it a little quicker on. And then, obviously, with uh, cash flow being a little... Mm -hmm. tightened that sure. was probably the more difficult part you know how are we going to because most get of your to that knowing that yeah. you know for at least and we didn't know then but for about six months there you know we didn't have any tap room operations i was just saying so, most of your yeah. revenue is coming from the tap room right so, all of a sudden nothing's going into the register right. only things are going out right yeah. so well, i would i would recommend definitely diversifying a little bit earlier <laughs> at this point you know if i had to look back on it but you know who 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 predicted this thing well a lot of I mean? if you had if you had bar accounts too where you were supplying uh kegs and stuff that, that all that shut down too right, like, that's right. A huge so it's of, the yeah. same thing right we weren't open yeah. they weren't open either yeah, exactly. right? so it's not like and it, that's where we found the our core business being so uh as, as you indicated earlier Cruz, that you know if you were a larger business and you were already established in the krogers and the hgbs and the specs yeah, yeah. you know and people were and if you look at the numbers so you know alcohol sales have gone up they haven't yes. gone down right people, you know? but so, people are drinking at home right right yeah, but they're absolutely. just going to that location where they're having to deliver to them mm -hmm. at this point where they're just saying you know give me what's on the shelf you know, well, so not having that shelf presence at an early time definitely uh, took its bite out of us. But later on, it, it definitely, you know, now we're getting back in line <laughs> and, and it pushed us in that direction. I'm OK with it. You know, we, right, we, right. we end up now at the end of the year, Q4, tap rooms back open. You know, other places are back open. We're able to feed those markets with mm -hmm. distribution. And now we got this canning line uh, operation going. So we're rolling and going now and couldn't be happier. Love well, it. here is hoping that um, these spikes that we're seeing in COVID cases don't lead to us needing to, uh, you know, pull back on what's open. I'm seeing it happen in Europe, and I'm, I'm just hoping we can somehow escape that. But our track record isn't too good here in the U.S. It really isn't. So anyway, we wish you the best, and we love your beers, and we will tell everybody about your beers because that's kind of what we do. We don't have much of a life outside of you know this kind of stuff so yeah. uh so we really appreciate you coming in and sharing these with us and we'll be by to visit you as well i appreciate yeah, find it. us on youtube on. on facebook uh yes. hit the like and subscribe on youtube if you're on there and be sure to support our sponsor mycigarshirts.com because cigars have a wonderful week everybody and as we like to say at the end of the show cheers y'all cheers, cheers.